I'm not here to glamorise or glorify what went on back then, because really and truly, it was something that we all had to get through. Um, not just me, many other people. I know hard people, I've seen hard people. I'm not a hard man, you know, I mean, I'll stand my ground and I'll have a go, but I know hard and I've seen hard and I've experienced hard. They're hard, not me. What's that thing, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Remember that, so you do all that. So in reality, we were being, in the environment that we was brought up in, outside of the home, we were being groomed for this, groomed for criminality from day one. Terrible characters, you'd see the National Front walking around blatant with the red laces in the boots and that, and you get all sorts, you get chased up and down the place. The pool ball in the sock, or in the pillowcase, bang. I think the batteries were called PP9s. They put a PP9 in a pillowcase and whack something around the head. And then, listen, it was brutal. And he's gone like that, he brought nine bar out. Wow. If his ass. Unplugged. What? The bank. He called it the bank. He went, oh, in the bank. And we were like that. Ah. You'll win nothing this year. Forget your Champions League and all that business you're doing. No, there's only one United, Leeds United. Remember that. Done. To be a top class professional boxer is a very, very hard thing. And you have to put in so much, you have to sacrifice so much. You might lose in a fair fight, in a boxing ring where you can just use that. You can't kick, you can't scratch, you can't bite, you can't this, that and the other, yeah. So I went right the way around the back of the, the ring and got in behind him and I've gone, Mr Eubanks, it's a pleasure to boom! Can hit me. If you don't know, you best get to know. All right, if you can't understand what this hat means, come out of the house. Huge thank you to Jamie Boyle for organising podcast with Nick Manners. Absolutely mind-blowing story. Not just the accomplishments in the boxing world. We're talking knocked out Paul Sykes. We've got Lee Duffy, Viv Graham stories. Joe We're... Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> stories of racial discrimination and what came about because of that. Just, just mind-blowing stuff that happened in prison. I think it's going to be not just a podcast, it's going to be a series because there's 20 pages of notes here. <laughs> and... Um, it's cold up north. <laughs> it's all right. You don't worry about that. We always get warmed up. You know what I mean? Simple as that. So, yeah. So, the links for Jamie's Warcry Publishing will be in the description box. And Nick's links will be there as well. He's got this fantastic gym up in Leeds, helping the young people. Just met one of them, Ali. And it's uh, the vibes up here. The energy's spot on, despite the cold weather. So, so Nick... Um, where did this all start then? Were you born in Leeds? Born and bred in Leeds, yeah. Yeah. Um, to be fair, um, like I've said to you before, I'm not here to glamorise or glorify what went on back then because really and truly, it was something that we all had to get through. Um, not just me, many other people. Thankfully, I survived. Um, some of the things that I've gone through, to me, there weren't really hardships, there was adventures. But when I look back, it's some serious shit really, you know what I mean? It's... It's not something that um, a lot of us should have had to go through. 
but there's a lot of people who's done a lot worse and gone through a lot worse than me. So I don't think I'm thinking, I'm just saying this is my particular tale of a little black lad who didn't really want to stay in garden and play, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're going to go out and find out what's going on in the outside world up the street. Um, but sometimes them streets weren't, weren't always welcoming, let's so to speak. But you've got to make them welcoming, you've got to make your way. If there's a door closed, kick it down, see what's behind it. Wow. Well, before we start, do you want to explain the hat? <laughs> I'm not just wearing this hat for the sake of my life. I'll say it in a, in a nutshell. If you don't know, you best get to know. All right, if you can't understand what this hat means, come out of the house and get on your horse. Simple. Carry on. <laughs> Those who know will know. They'll understand exactly the significance of this hat. I love this hat. I'll give the viewers a uh, clue. It is to do with Django, the film. I'll say no more. (laughs) If you know, you know. Mm. So I grew up in Widnes, just over an hour from here. And I remember growing up, very, there was a a racist, racism was prevalent, homophobia was prevalent, a lot of discrimination. And um, what was it like for you growing up here? At the time, it was quite... It was interesting. Let's say it's interesting because as, as you grow older, um, now I'm not going to jump on this racism, racism, racism bandwagon because I'll tell you what, um, a lot of it wasn't racism. A lot of it was ignorance because they didn't know. So I'm not going to, Sean, I'm not going to come in and bullshit and glam- glamorise that, this, that and the other, just to make, no. I'll say it as I feel and as I see it and I hope you appreciate that. Yeah. Um, listen, a lot of it was ignorance because there was a lot of people who hadn't met a lot of people so didn't understand any people. So all the, the white guys would understand fish and chips, the Asians would understand curry, the blacks would understand yam and dumpling, rice and peas. And it, was, it wasn't until we all started mixing and integrated that we understood that, understood that actually we all eat and we can all break bread together. You know what I mean? Uh, growing up, I had, um, we moved to Gibson, which, is, uh, which at the time was a very, very, very white area, very white area. Uh, working class, um, poor, you know what I mean? And to a degree, everybody did stick together. Initially, it did seem like it was hostile, very hostile. We'd get up, we'd have to, when on the way to school, my brothers would fight on the way to school, they'd fight on the way back from school just to get to school and get home. And it was just a matter of people calling names because they didn't understand each other, you know what I mean? Um, so what a lot of people might not understand is that when you call me something, to a degree, I'm going to react. You know what I mean? They say sticks and stones will break your bones and calling names don't hurt you. But it did hurt. So what you'd have to do is you'd have to give some of that hurt back just so that they feel it the same way. Unfortunately, um, for the majority of the time, I've, I felt justified in what I did. So I came out on top, if you know what I mean. Um, thankfully, because there's some terrible characters. You'd see the... National Front walking around blatant with the red laces in the boots and that. And you get all sorts. You get chased up and down the place, um, roughed up and that, pushed about. And after time, you didn't even know what was going on. You'd be wondering, why, why are you picking on me? Why are you trying this? And it wasn't until you got sick of it and said, you know what, I'm going to do you. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd have a go back. Um, and that was, that was one of my experiences in Gibson. But the thing is, as we got to know people in Gibson and because we came out of the garden and played out and sort of like um, 
you earn your place, don't you? You earn your place. So we sort of like earned our stripes um, by... And the respect of the local people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just because we fought people, because I'm not saying that we didn't lose. Sometimes you've got to lose to win. You know what I mean? You just, just got to have a go. Because um, there were loads of tough kids. <laughs> they were tough and rough. And the thing is, as much as um, they were programmed to be hostile to anybody who was different from them, um, why, I don't know. It was like that back in the day. But you had to turn around and try and have a go back. Because you know yourself, like, if you let somebody pick on you today, chances are he's going to do it tomorrow and the next day. So sometimes just by making a stand, you can get to go in the direction you want to go without conflict, so to speak. You know what I mean? It was it was rough. It was rough. And, um, Do you think was... that would have been like your early fighting training? No, fucking fighting training. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, listen, I've got five brothers, man. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 All that MMA yeah. shit we were doing. The... I don't mean to be funny. Yeah. Mixed martial arts, all them and locks and this, that and the other. Yeah. All of my generation were doing that a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they just put it into an organised scrap. Um, so... I, and personally, I don't even see myself as... I didn't see myself as tough. I didn't see myself as hard. I saw myself as, um, listen, don't stand still. You know what I mean? Because if, um, I have, if I try and connect, chances are I'm going to have an effect. So that's all right for me. But I know hard people. I've seen hard people. I'm not a hard man. You know what I mean? I'll stand my ground and I'll have a go. But I know hard and I've seen hard and I've experienced hard. They're hard, not me. You know what I mean? And that might sound a bit um, contradictory and that. But from where I'm looking and what I've seen in Leeds, they've got some serious, tough men. Tough men that go under the radar. Some of them above the radar. And I've always turned around and said to myself, you know what? They're the real hard men. And um, even when I was boxing, I'd go down and I'd stand on the doors. And I won't give the names of these people, but they're very, 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 very well-respected men in Leeds. You know them. And I'd talk to them. And I'd just get their psyche. And one of the things that I realised about them was that there was gentlemen. <laughs> gentlemen. The real, the real good ones, the real tough ones, gentlemen. I always... Um, do you remember the film Goodfellas? Oh, yes. Well, we all grew up on... Um, I was talking to James earlier, and I says, well, we all grew up on um, Al, Al Pacino, Capino, whatever his name is, Scarface and all that. So the rules of engagement, the rules of crime were set from there. Everybody knew you didn't snitch, you didn't grasp. Um, what's that thing? If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Remember that? So you do all that. So in reality, we were being, in the environment that we was brought up in, outside of the home, we were being groomed for this, uh, groomed for criminality from day one. You know what I mean? So in reality, I don't feel that we was given, excuse me, I don't feel that we was given the real, or we didn't take advantage of the real opportunities that were available to us. That's wrong there when I say I don't feel that we was given because everything was there. But you had to be in a, a good place psychologically at home and everything to be able to access all them sort of um, youth clubs and the things that take your mind off um, criminality or stealing. And the thing is, half of, us half of us couldn't afford to do it. We couldn't afford, you can't. If you need um, to go play for the local football team, you need your kit, you need your boots. We, didn't, we couldn't afford it you know what I mean and unfortunately for me I love football but nobody had a size 9 foot in my in my school so I couldn't rob their trainers could I or I couldn't <laughs> rob their thingy so I had to make do with what no because you'd be, yeah. be like that. or you go play another football team and you see you'd be like that thinking has somebody got trainers on other team or boots my size and, and you try and rob them you know what I mean <laughs> just so you've got something um, 
I don't know about yourself, but coming from a poor working back, working class background, what we didn't want to do was put the pressure on his parents for finance. So when you've got the kid up the road who's got the posh this, posh that, posh the other, and you're looking at yours and you haven't got a Tradex or Divines and that for um, some cheap, cheap things, but you appreciate that your parents might only be able to afford that. So you know what? I'll go get me on. You know what I mean? So you'd have to go and find something to do, um, find try and get a, try and get a quid basically, so you didn't have to put the stress on your family and that. Which I'm sure that 99.9% of the people who's been through that kind of situation would understand. You know, I what must I mean? have been busy with five brothers. She was all right. She did well. She did well. Were you the oldest, youngest? No, I'm the middle one. Middle child. Yeah. Okay. All as big as you. We've all got character. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> brothers. Good brothers. I'll, I'm not going to say too much about my family because yeah. at the end of the day, if they want to tell their tale, they can tell their tale. Exactly. But yeah. I come from good stock. You know what I mean? So in school then, what were you like with the subjects and the sports and what was your interest? I thought we were all right. <laughs> no, I really thought we were all right. Yeah. My mother thought, my mother still to this day thinks I'm a math genius. <sighs> that lad who I paid to do my to do my homework all that time you know what I mean <laughs> and even now she's like oh you should have been an accountant and I'm like thinking should I tell the truth you know what I mean <laughs> fucking hated maths <laughs> I, did, I hated maths um, the subjects at school I didn't really have a problem with the only thing that I had a problem with was the amount of time that I was given to try and solve it mm. because it's like anything in school you're only given a set time Rush, rush, rush. Yeah, rush, rush, rush. And I'd be like, hang on a minute. A goes to B goes to C. Too late. And I'm like, fucking hell, I didn't get that. Um, and then when you come in next, they're on to the next one. And you're like, well, I haven't got that. So to, to a degree, and it's not that I'm thick or anything like that because I was all right. You know what I mean? I, yeah. um, give me a little time. Give me time to just turn around and stop taking the piss out of him or stop messing about. And then, yeah, we'll get on it. But you've got to, the teachers, to a degree, they've got a responsibility to enthuse you. It's like this boxing gym. If they come and I can't raise their levels of excitement and anticipation, they're just going to box flat. That's no good to me. I've got to be, if they see that I'm enthused, hopefully that'll rub off on them and they'll get stuck in. So what age did you get into boxing? I was 19. Oh, that's quite late. Yeah, very late. Very late, considering boxing. But what had happened was... um, I'd been locked up. I got two and a half years for an incident that Let's happened. Let's get back to that. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll go on that and we'll go from there. I got locked up. I got two and a half years for um, some robbery thing. Um, let me just say, I was always a shit crook. <laughs> I, was, I was terrible. I was rubbish, you know what I mean? How can you be only black fella in a sea of white faces expecting to do crime and get away with it? You know what I mean? Ah, thick, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it got to the point where it was like, um, if anything went off, it was always him, always him. I said, it wasn't me. And I had to take earrings out and things like that and wear earrings at some point and take earrings out so that when it comes to identification and things like that, people say, oh, and he had an earring and this, that and the other. I said, no, I ain't got, I've got two in, actually. You know what I mean? Or I've got none in, you know what I mean? Um, so just try and get away with things. But I was in Durham. I mean, my oldest brother, who's my number one, is um, one of the greatest fellas that I've ever met in my life. I'll say no more. He came up and he said to me, every time you're getting locked up, it's getting bigger and bigger. And chances are they're going to give you a big one and just move you on. Because what they used to do then, they'd give you the first sentence as a warning, give you a second sentence. And then depending on what the crime was, 
they just stick a big one on you and just get rid of you for a few years and say, oh, hope you learn your lesson. And um, whilst I was in Durham, um, he came up and he talked to me. And I was like, mm. and they were like, what's your problem, Nick? Why is it you're getting in, pro- in trouble? And it's the same, I say the same now that I say then. And it's the same that a lot of these kids have got the problem is occupying your time. You know what I mean? Um, between the hours of six o'clock and nine o'clock in the evening, we, need, we needed to know what we were doing on the night time. And what we were doing on the night time might involve money. So we need money. Um, we go and we do, we try and rob the warehouses and this, that and the other and go to market trader. One of the, I've got to say, a lovely fella. Um, his initials are The Morning. I'll the say morning. no more. People know the morning. It happens in the morning. There's PM and there's AM. All right, he's the morning. And the people who know me, God rest his soul, cracking fella. Um, that's just a code because you say less, you say no. Um, great fella. Um, what was on then? The morning. No, that was just um, a sidetrack. Oh, yeah. Um, between six o'clock and nine o'clock, what we'd do, we'd have to get find out what we'd done and we go do the we had a little circuit of warehouses that we'd do um, we'd do them once every three uh, once every three months once every 12 weeks we'd just go there, there, there shit crook like I say but we'd take the windows out properly go in and get his merchandise put the window back in what was the merch? clothing mm. clothing traders warehouses and that you know what I mean ironically one of the buildings where um, we used to do is where we've got a boxing gym <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean um, but those, those were the days and um, we'd, we'd have as market traders and as fences, as they call them then, as sellers. And um, that particular one, he always looked after me. He was a good one. He was a good one. Well-known, very well-known face. And that great fella, um, sadly passed and that. But a good man. Um, got a funny story to go, but that's going to go in the book. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'll tell you it now. Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd done something. Um, we'd done something and we got in trouble. And that's what I got the, in the two and a half year for. So my friend, the morning we'll call him, he said to us, look, rather than rip you off from that because you've got a few quid there, I'll give you a few quid. You do what you've got to do. But what I suggest you do is bury them. And when you get out, because you will get nicked, you know what I mean? Because you're red hot, mate. And I'm like, he went, get rid, um, get rid of them, bury them. And then when you come home, you've got something to come out for. So I'm like, fair enough. So do you remember that? Um, so he gave me some money. I bought a car, couldn't even drive. Got a couple of lads to drive us off to Sheffield, went on the run, bang. Um, so I'm like, right, where can I add this stuff? So do you remember that record, 19, Vietnam or something? No, 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 19. No, 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 19. Right. 19. The average age was yes. 19. Yeah. Yes. So the place, the place where I'd gone on the run to, me and my pal, I went, right, come out the back door at night. I thought, right, I know I'm going to get nicked anyway, so let me bury these. I'll bury them and I know where they are. So I've gone, 19. So I've gone, 19 paces there, 19 paces there, 19 paces there. Boom, 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 there, bang. Buried them, buried them good. Gets me two and a half years, 17 months later, comes out like that, right? We go get my little stash. <laughs> Goes over to Sheffield, this time everything's all hunky, I'm good. I'd learned to drive, I'd learned to drive while we were in Sheffield on the run. Um, just going back and forth. Gets out, gets to Sheffield. There's a fucking housing estate on it. Oh, no. No. And I'm like, 
thought, I've just done all that for that. And I've thought, no, and I was in the state. So some digger driver has either had a tickle or that stuff's just <laughs> there. Under but the I'm, house. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh. I'm, looking, looking, and I'm looking in that and there's somebody at the window like that. And I'm like, it's all right. Oh. Somebody I'll drive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Heartbreaking. So, no, just wised up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Shit crook. <laughs> I'm better off giving it to somebody to save, but then you just make sure that you know what you're doing yourself. Mm. But um, like I say, so I'm in Durham, gets out. Um, my, my brother, while I was in there, he turned around and said, look, you need to do something because, like I say, your sentences are getting bigger and you might end up in trouble. So he says, says well, what am I going to do? Um, between six and nine, we need somewhere to go, blah, blah, blah. I said that already. He says, come to the gym with me. I've started going to a boxing gym. It's not a fair fight. So yeah, fuck that. You might lose in a fair fight in a boxing ring where you can just use that. You can't kick, you can't scratch, you can't bite, you can't this, that, and the other. Yeah, fuck that. No, no. You can lose and then you get fucked up and everybody laughs at you. So he said, "Well, try winning." <laughs> fair point. So I came out, and within three months, I had my first fight, amateur fight. But what I'd been doing while we we're inside. I'd wrap towels and I'd just listen in there. I was like a fucking stick. Excuse, listen, excuse my language, all right? Um, I apologize for the swearing. I don't You're usually after swear. the first five minutes of YouTube, so. But you know what I mean? I apologize. I'll try not to. I'll try to control my language because in reality, that's what it's about. But at the time, um, three months, but what I'd done inside, I'd wrap the towels around my hand. And I'd practice punching, practice punching. I'd punch the walls, I'd punch the walls, I'd punch the walls. And when the, I'll just go in, I'll go in um, type. I'm not going to say officers. When the screws come to the door and they go like that and they say, oh, stop making noise, manners. I say, what are you going to do? You lock me up. I'm locked up already. Yeah, leave me alone. You know what I mean? And, and I'd be punching the walls, punching the walls, punching the walls, just trying to build up some kind of strength because I knew for a fact in, when you're inside, the strong survive. And the weak get taken advantage of. And if I'm going to run my mouth to anybody or say it to anybody, I know I've got to back my shit. And it was scary because at the end of the day, there were things like, um, there was always a constant threat. Razor, razor blades in the toothbrushes. Razor blades on their own. Some of them are tight. Just get the razor and tie the fingers together. Just like that. You know what I mean? Um, pool ball in the sock or in the pillowcase. Bang. Mm. I think the batteries were called PP9s. <laughs> PP9, some square ones that you get on the road, um, the road signals, roadside things. They put a PP9 in a um, pillowcase and whack something around the head. And then, listen, it was brutal. And I was just thinking, I'll tell you what, fuck that. i got to make sure that I'm a, alive and aware because I think that if I ever lose an air, there's going to be floodgates on me because to a degree, in some, of the, in some of the establishments that I went, I might have been the only black lad there. So being the only black lad there, sometimes people want to say what they say, how they say it. You know, when I first went to um, Durham, it was quite funny, actually, because um, and I've got some really, really, really good memories from Durham and the Geordie lads up there. Good lads. But I was in, um, when I said Durham, I went to Ever Deerbolt and I got kicked out of there because a kid called me Darky. Well, I thought I thought that was an insult. Well, it's not. It's a term of affection up there. Oh, is it? Yeah, Darky. I'm like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> Gone. And then 
when it had all been sorted out, it worked out that no, he want he want he actually want being offensive to you. He, that's how they talk up there, and it want a term of racism or nothing like that. But I was like, fuck that. Um, where I come from, they call me darky. That's an insult. You know what I mean? So being at that age, I was very um, in there at that age. The trigger, boom, I'm off. You know what I mean? But you had to be smart in there as well because um, scars. Proof of, if you've got a black eye, they know you've had a fight, bang, they'll nick you, done. If you've got scars on your hand, they know you've had a fight, scars, they your hands quite frequently. Yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah, because yeah, that's... They do knuckle checks to get everyone out and get they them all lined up. Yeah, 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 so you know the score, so... And they yeah. just look at your hands and if you, if you can see the scars it's on your hands... Tiniest little scratch, you're gone. Well, they can do, yeah. Well... You know what I mean? It's fact. Because um, what you're doing, you might be punching bones or teeth or something like that, and it, it can cut your hands, you know what I mean? So... They'd come. So I used to sort of like try and make sure that I don't hit them. So I scar my hands because um, there was times when you'd be fighting every week. You had to sort of smile every week and you know yourself, a lot of people. Um, I'm not trying to be a victim or nothing like that because um, I want a victim. Ironically, he's out it there. Fucking big houses, big. <laughs> I can see the Hamley Jail from here. Can you? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not the house on the hill. Oh, is it that white one? Yeah, up there? That, yeah, the bit of white, and that—that's the house on the hill. Oh wow! So, wow. Yeah. That's but, huge. Yeah, yeah. It's over there. Yeah, but um, anyway, so gone to from Everfort, went to Durham, went to Durham, and that was I were on a three-month lay down there. Call it North Region, North Regional. North Regional Office NRO. So if you'd been a bit uncontrollable, they'd go bang and they'd just send you to a dispersal. And that time I was a YP, you know what I mean? So you young prisoner, but they sent us to Durham and they had a little wing there for the YPs with some really small cells. And um, what they'd do is, though, if they thought you were a bit of a problem and they couldn't really, couldn't really handle you, they'd try and set you up. So everywhere they go, I used to have, I'd think, why is he want to, why is he want to have a go at me? It might be a house orderly, it might be um, a local thug or tough tough guy, but the screws have said something to him to make him think that I'm coming in as an enemy. And then all of a sudden I'm coming in and I'm feeling like a hostile vibe and I'm thinking, hmm, geez, I haven't done nothing to this guy. And, and I had one incident where a guy came because I'd been in before and I knew a few of the lads and that. And on the YPs, if you're all right, you're all right. And um, everybody knows everybody. And to a degree, they'll go, oh, well, he's all right. But it can be a twat if you mess about with him, but um, don't mess about with him. Simple as that. Um, and on one particular occasion, on the YPs um, in Durham, you know, just lost my train of thought then. Um, in Durham, where, let me go back and let me think. Because Durham was your first prison. Everthorpe, yeah. And then to Durham, yeah. So we've gone to Durham. So we're on this um, unit, um, or this wing, and these cells were small, you know what I mean? Um, I'll tell you how small they are. Go like that. And I couldn't go like that. Really? I had to go like what, that. What, stood up, obviously? Yeah, so stood up, I go like that. Um, I couldn't point my fingers and do it. Um, it's like, if I went like that, I can go like that and go like that, and that's how wide it was. You know, like, nice. just a bed, a little gap. Um... They were small. They were like ridiculous. a rabbit hole. They were terrible. They were small, very, very small. You know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't train in there. You couldn't even train in there. You couldn't, you know what I mean? 
Um, but that was time when you had to shit in a bucket, you know, slop out and all that business, shit in a bucket and then take it to a big sluice and then put it in there and this, that and the other. And um, when we went to Durham, I had one fella up there and he was from that area. And I don't know why he, listen, they took a like to us. They took a dislike to us because we were Yorkshire and that, you know what I mean? And so myself and a couple of mank lads and a couple of scousers, we had to sort of like bond together because we were like, these guys, are, <laughs> they think we're coming to um, do some up here and they're not having it. When we want, we were just doing this time, ready to go dispersal to the next place. So um, I remember there was one fella and we had to do, we had to get the water. You know, in the morning you get out and they'd open cells and get your water. And um, they'd open certain sections at a time so that that certain section had its opportunity to have the hot water first. So anyway, next thing you know, there's me and a couple of lads on this little section that they've opened up. And just say, for example, we're third in line to get the water. Next thing you know, this group of um, Middlesbrough lads, good lads as well, you know, I mean, all they're doing is doing what they think they're supposed to do, which is run their, run their thing. But we just want us water. So next thing you know, they've come past. And they've walked straight past us and gone to the front and took the water. Well, this water goes cold at a certain point, so you, if, that's why everybody gets a, a, a chance. So I'm like that, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, I'm not going to get no water here. We're not going to get no water. So one or two lads are like, ah, we need to sort this out. So I said, ah, fuck it. It's only fucking water anyway, you know what I mean? No, no, no. But as the kids come past me, he's fucking looked at me, looked at me, and as he's walked past, he's just looked at me. And he's not took his fucking eyes off me as he's walked past and he's just walked and he's just walked and he had a little bit of a smile on his face as if to say, <laughs> and I thought, fucking hell, that's a direct one, isn't it? What am I going to do? Because tomorrow, it's another day, but it's a totally different day. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. So I went, got me water. So what usually happens is they've opened up, they've let you get a wash, they'll close you again, you get breakfast or something, and you put your water out at the same time. I don't know, some, some, I can't remember. But what happened is anyway, I said, fuck it. I said, just watch this for us a minute. I put my water down outside his door. Opened, yeah, he's in there like that, dickhead, with a full face, full face of um, soap in his face and that. Like, ah, idiot. You know, so gone into the thing. Just opened his door, gone in. Turned around, he's turned around like they had a big soapy face. Flap, boom. So tell you, cheeky cunt, boom, boom, boom. So give him some fist and that. Um, just said to him, listen, do us a favour, don't take fucking liberties with me, leave me alone. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's only water, you don't have to smirk like that, like it's you and me. Anyway, um, come out, close this door, 10 minutes later, alarm's off, you know what I mean? Two minutes later, boom, my door gets kicked open, or shoved open, and they're like, ah, man, let's have a look at your hands. I'm saying, what are you about? Let's have a look at your hands. I'm like, ah, yeah, no. So anyway, we know you've done him. It's, we know it's you. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, listen, you've just opened the fucking door, mate. You know what I mean? I'll do what I'll do, get under the door. Oh, mind your mouth. Da, 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 da. We know it's you. We're going to get you. Fair enough. Next thing you know, um, that evening, I heard, manage your black this, manage your black that, manage your black this. So this kid had told his um, other lads on cons that um, I chinned him. So they're like, ah, what you what are you doing chinning one of our lads and that? Da, 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 da. So I'm like, just, I thought it fair. I've, did, I've just done to him because he's took a liberty. So anyway, next thing you know, the usual thing was you've got to put a chit in 
that you're going to go to doctors, but you're not going to go to doctors because you're going to go to recess and you're going to have a fight. So what they'd done is um, they were shouting and running off the mouth outside of the, outside the, you know, out the window in the night time. So I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ. And you know yourself, the prison officers, the screws, they just stand up outside. Yeah, they give a shit. No, 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 they stand up outside um, listening to all the shit that goes on out the windows. That's where they get half the information. You know Is what I mean? it? Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? You well, I thought they just... No, you're talking... No, you, do you know what I mean, Sean? They're talking... All lads are talking out the window, talking, talking, talking. Chances are there's a screw at the bottom um, just stood there with his dog or whatever, you know, doing his patrol, just listening. Having a say, listening, here's what he needs to hear. Um, such and such is arguing with such and such. Well, can keep an eye on that, blah, blah. They know what's going on. You know what I mean? When you're swinging lines and all that business, don't think that they're not watching you. No, they let it happen. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by swinging lines and that yeah. shit? Yes. <laughs> they, um, yeah. So um, there's all this commotion. And, and at that time, I'd done my press-ups. I'd built up and I had a 19 and a half inch neck, 20-inch neck. Um, I had a bald head. Um, I'd, I'd blagged them. Um, I'd, I'll get back to that. But I'm, I will... Don't get me wrong, my legs were still like fucking licorice sticks or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? But I'd got my top half up because I know that I had to be able to get a grip or if just in case. So, what was it? They've gone, um, like I say, the protocol was that if they had something to sort out, you put a cheat in for the doctors and then you make your way to the recess um, under, under the guise of going to the doctors, sort it out in the recess. So next thing you know, it was like a title fight. I don't know how many people had turned around and put in for doctors, but it was absolutely full down. down. So I've gone, I've made, my, I've made my way to the recess so that I'm getting there first. I need to get there first. I'm not going to go there second. So I'm there and I'm waiting. The next thing you know, I could see down there where all, loads of people were just waiting, looking up, because they, they knew it was going to happen. I'm thinking, fucking hell. Right, how am I going to do this? So I'm stood. And I put me head out at recess. I've seen him walking down. So I've let him see that I'm there and I've come back in. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I don't know if it would have divine in- intervention or something. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I don't mean in a thingy way, but he must have, well, he thought twice because he turned around and just went back to his cell. I never heard noise from him again. And then the majority of the men, then, the majority of the men in, um, on the wings and that, it was all right with me. It was really all right with me because I was straight. You know what I mean? I wasn't going up there playing a big gun or trying to play a big gun. And no matter how many of the places that I got kicked out of, um, I wasn't coming in there saying, I've got kicked out, I'm tough. No, I was just like, oh, fucking, I don't know what they're doing to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're trying it on. But like I say, they sent us to 13 different places on one sentence, just kicked us out, bang, boom. And it were them. They'd, they'd kick off. They'd try and get lads to turn around and um, fight me or beat me up. And thankfully, because I might have come out on top, well, get out, we can't control him. Send him somewhere else, get out, we can't control him. Um, there's some real... I can't tell you all the business and that because I'm gonna, I am actually going to put that in the book, I think, because that's mm. juicy, you know what I mean? There were times when ears have come off, eyes have come out. Mm? Uh, yeah, um, all sorts of... Some We're not talking about that I've one seen today. Some, no, we've seen some serious shit, some serious shit, um, but also some funny shit. Um, I remember an old Scotsman came down from Barlinny um, this is why I was in one of my best friends, T. Uh, me and him, listen, great guy. Me and T was in there. And, um, so they brought this fella in, boom. Half past eight at night, doors, cell doors come open, bang. This fella comes in. I'll call him Patches. So anyway, next thing you know, he's coming in. And me and Trevor's like that. What's, what are you in for, mate? Because we're thinking, fucking hell. So anyway, the next thing you know, he says what he's in for. 
cool, cool, that's fine. Next thing is, he's gone, do you smoke? So like that, yeah. And you know, everything's a bit defensive because you're like, well, why? This is all. Turn the light off then. So we're like that, what? So turn the light off. So me and him's looking at each other thinking, boy, this might be some batty man, you know, come, come, come to turn around and take some little black, black flesh. Don't think so. So we're like, what do you mean, mate? So, you know, like, have you seen that um, film, Hear No Evil, See No Evil, mm-hmm. with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder? And there's that big gross burger. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. This is what it was like for us. You know, you've got, you got to act tough and all that. Yeah. It was acting tough. It was all front because we were kids, man. You know what I mean? So he's in there and he's saying, turn light off. And we're like, fuck, this man might be trying to batty rape us, man. No, man. So we're like, no, why do you want to do Oh, do you smoke? Yeah. Turn light off. So turn light off, but like, and it's black and like, if that fucker moves. You know what I mean? And we heard, rustle, rustle, shuffle, shuffle. He went, oh, it's all right now. And he's gone like that. He brought a fucking nine bar out. Wow. If his ass. Unplug him. It, what? The bank. He called it the bank. He went, oh, in the bank. He brought a fucking nine bar of bloody um, Lebanese. Wow. And we were like that. <laughs> well, to be fair, I can still remember now, I was thinking, well, can you not cut top off? You know, cut up, out of the head off and that. Because I don't know. I don't want no <laughs> shitty blood to go out. But he would have cracked. He called it the bank. Yeah. And the bank. Some, yeah, just shove it. I don't know why I got him in there, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. There was another one who lost his teeth. He lost his teeth in our cell for three days. Old fella. One night, we've heard... Oh! Oh! <laughs> Something pounds floating light on. And this old fella's like that in his bed. Three fucking days. He's gone. Oh, fucking wonder where they were. Like that. And he just went, oh. and we were like that. Oh, oh, that's been out, bed up his ass, round his bollocks, everything. Oh. And he's just fucking slung him in like the one. Oh, and we were howling. Me and my pal, we still laugh to that this day. Some of the things that we laugh on, but some of the good, I tell you, some of the good men who are in there for maybe bad reasons or whatever, mm. but there's some good fellas in there, some good people. Um, I can't knock everybody who's in there. Some of them, it's a circle, isn't it? Mm. And um, that's what that's what frightened me a little bit because I thought to myself, um, there was a, a fella in Everfort called Mr. Smith. I used to call him Tintin because he looked like Tintin from years ago. You know, Tintin, blonde hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Smith. I don't know what he's like or if he's still alive and that. But um, he actually used to come in his cell on an evening, and he'd sit down and he'd go like that, and he'd look at me and he'd go, "Manners, what are you doing here?" About that, 17 months. <laughs> 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 he said, listen, something about you, you've got an head on your shoulders. Why are you in here? Mm. You can think. Why are you in here? So I said, listen, I'll tell you the truth. What I've done, it's not, not terrible, but you need money, don't you? And how are you going to get money? You know what I mean? You can't beg off people. And he'd say, listen, you're worth so much more than staying in here, vegetating. And it, it always clung to me. And I'd even said to him, um, well, you know what? Because when I got the two and a half year, they sent me to have a four, kicked me out, starred me up. You know, not starred up means um, when you're a YP, they'll put you on the cons and that. What's that? Starred up? Starred up. When you're a YP, if you're, the YPs go up to 21 years old. Uh-huh. And then after 21, you're classed as an adult prisoner. Yeah. Right then. Well, if you're a little bit rowdy or whatever, if you're a bit of a twat, 
or rowdy or just object, objectionable a little bit. What they'll do is they'll turn around, put him on the cons with the adults, hopefully calm him down, maybe the adults will have an influence on him. Hopefully they'll sort you out. Well, not necessarily sort you out, but some, some, the cons don't stand for some of the shit that the YPs do, and they'll, to a degree, they might calm you down, like you say. So not sort you out physically, but no, there's some no. that will, if, if you're a dickhead, they will. Um, but half the time, these rowdy lads just need, maybe they're just a bit too much for the lads of their own age. Um, but we had some real adventures in all them major dispersal jails and that, you know what I mean? And will, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I'm not glorifying glorifying it at all. But once you're in them situations, you've got to deal with it. You know what I mean? So you can Make put your head under a... bad situation. Yeah, yeah you, you've got to do You've got to survive. Survival's the thing. You, the, the end goal is to come out and hopefully get on with it. You know what I mean? It's like in a video game, isn't it? And there's all this danger and stuff going yeah. around you, but the screen's still scrolling, isn't it? Yeah, it's still going you got on. You've no choice. And whatever happens, you've got to keep going with it. Yeah. You know I mean? You've got a list yeah. of all your prisons here, haven't we? Yeah, sometimes. Early. Like some of them are why you've you've Yeah, you put YP by them, so you've got Everthorpe, yeah. Deerbolt, Storkeith. Preston. Preston, we're an adult jail, yeah. That's where you got started. up. Mm. Walton. Hull. Walton. Strange Hull. Ways. Strange Ways was... Oh, Strange Ways oh, back in the day, um, it was very... T- I think the prisons, to a degree, were very territorial. The Geordies run the Geordie Nicks. The Manks run the Man- Mank Nicks. Armley and that. Um, Leeds have always been very compliant and, listen, anything goes sort of thing. Um, but they sent us to Strange Ways and they've got this big 50p piece in the middle of it, in the middle of the the centre, the centre of it that nobody's ever supposed to walk, walk over. Never. And I've, I just thought, I've got to do this. I've got to, No, I did. I thought, fuck it. You know what I mean? They've, they've done, I'm going to see if I can do it. I'm going to sling a, sling a death one. So I'm like that, walking across it like that, just thinking, OK. And they're going, ah, get off of that. Da, 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 da. Fucking come running at me, shove me off it. And I'm saying, what's wrong? You're not supposed to. I'm, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Just sort of like played innocent, but the slung us off it and that, you know what I mean? Just nah, get off. And I thought, I'll tell you what it is, I know that I wasn't supposed to go on there. And I'm, they could have actually given me a kicking, to be fair. For what so, reason are you not meant to go on this 50 pence piece? Because they said. Just because they said. They say. That 50 pence piece or whatever it was in the middle of the, um, it's like the prisons are like, imagine that cup. Yeah. That's the centre base. And then the wings come off it, come off it, come off it, come off it, come ah, off it. So, so that, that in the centre of it, yeah. you're not supposed to go on there. And, um, if you ask anybody who was around in them days, they'll know that look, you don't go on there. It used to, have, it used to be pristine. It's bad luck or something. It's bad luck. It's called, a, you're going to get a chin. You're going to get a beating. It's, it's, that's their yeah. thing. They're saying, you don't walk across there. And it's like, to go from A to B would just be go, go there. But I think it's something that they can go, you know, walk, walk around that there. Walk around that crown, whatever it is. But no. Wow. So what was your first offence then that you got arrested for? Accessory. I were a lookout. I were in. Um, I, were, I, we used, I used to love my sport, and I always used to go to Fernville Sports Centre. And there were some local criminals, um, good lads actually. I'm still friends with them now, and um, they're a bit older than me. But I was in there, and there was all these fruit machines, and I wasn't robbing them. They'd come in to rob them, so I'm like that. And they're like, "If you keep a lookout, we'll give you some money." So I'm like, all right. So I went and I looked out, I looked out. They gave me a bag of change, it might have been about three quid. Three quid's a lot of money then, you know what I mean? Well, it seemed to a, to a young kid, 
three quid. So I've got the three quid. We've all gone. Happy days. I didn't go in there for about four months. I went in there. Boom. The call police. He's here now. <laughs> Remember what I said? I'm the black lad in the middle of bloody the area, the white area. So although I'm not thinking like that, they knew that I was there that day when it got robbed. And then when I've gone and I haven't come back for a while, I'm still recognisable because I'm from the area. I'm, you know what I mean? So next thing you know, I've gone there to play football with my mates and that Fernville. Next thing you know, police have come under arrest. So, you know, only, I think how old was I then? Uh, about 11. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they've said blah, blah, blah. I got nicked. And that's why there's a lot of people in Gibson still got a love for me because a lot of people knew that I got nicked. Mm. But I kept my mouth shut. You don't snitch. And as much as um, it was a bit daunting and that being in the police station, having having your mum called and this, that and the other, and having to explain to uh, explain to her, not saying no, not saying no, not saying no. And I didn't realise that I was too young to get anything anyway, really. But they just wanted to know who were it who. And I'd said no, said no, said no, I'm not saying no, said no. And even to this day, the two people who did it, you know, who I looked out for, when I see them, still good friends, they laugh, they joke about, they laugh and joke about it, they go, fucking hell, you kept your mouth shut from there, man. And I went, listen, it's the code. You don't snitch. And whether you're in trouble or not, there's a code. You know what I mean? Um, and to be fair, I've got no time for snitches and this, that and the other. I'm not um, saying that people get into certain... Listen, there's no need. Simple as that. You don't snitch. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you can't do the crime, don't do the... Do, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Um, don't get involved. So the story you told me then... I think you're going to love this one. On the phone about the cops and everything. On, I'm, I'm not going to give the punchline away. Right. What happens at the end with the case. But um, can you... Run that one down for Jen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you all of it. I'm going to tell you some of it, because, um, but you read between the lines. Right. All right. <laughs> this is classic, this one. So I'd been somewhere, I'd been somewhere, I'd been out with somebody, and it was a bit of a special occasion, but we had a bit of a fallout. So all right, I'll tell you what, let me go, let me get my stuff, and we'll call it that. So obviously the person would have been upset at the fact that I was saying, listen, we'll call it that. So they were shouting, shouting, shouting. And I'm like, listen, let me just get my stuff and I'll go. So the amount of shouting that happened, the neighbours called the police. So as I'm coming out and going away, police cars come up the road. He stopped. He's gone, oh, he's asked me what's going on. Like, what are you about? What's going on? You tell me. So what? who are you looking for? So they said, don't know. So why are you stopping me? So I've turned, I'm just about to get in my van. And the person came at the door, rah, 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 screaming in the car, that's him, the bastard. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. So anyway, they've got out of the car. So one's gone in the house with one, and one's come to me. So what's happened is, while I'm there, I'm like, listen, do us a favour, can you just go around the corner so I can't hear that voice and that? A bit of a domestic, to be fair. Mm. Um, and I don't know. And what happens in a lot of them domestics is that... Um, if you've done no, if you haven't done no, what they do is they say, go find somewhere to live. Even if it's your house, um, they'll turn around and tell you to go away. Go find, stay with a friend. Stay with a friend. And yeah. That. So I've said to this officer, I said, listen, do us a favour. That voice is going right the way through me. 
in two minutes, your boss is going to come out and he's going to, your boss is going to come out and you're going to tell me to get on my way. Do us a favour, can we just go around this corner? So he's gone. Just wait there. So I said, look, that's going through, that voice is going through me. Um, I've done nothing wrong. Treat me like a normal member of the public, please. Um, and just come around the corner. I went like that. He even gave me um, van keys and I went, here, do us a favour. Just all them. I'm not going to run nowhere. I'm not doing nothing. But it's just going through me. So anyway, next thing you know, he's like, no, no. But he's still got my keys. So I was just getting demoralised. I felt like I was getting weaker. Just pissed off. Anyway, next thing you know, I says, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to go around this corner. Come with me. You know, I mean, walk with me. You know what I mean? Just so I don't hear that voice. Anyway, he's gone like that. Boom. So I said, do us a favour, don't. Anyway, something happened. And all of a sudden, I got my keys back. I jumped in my van. It's in the book. It's in the book. I'll tell the, I'll tell the full story in the book. It's better in the book. But um, I got my keys back. Got in my van. Off I go. I thought, I don't know what's happened there. Don't know what's happened to him, but you know something? Um, bloody hell. I don't need to be here, so to speak. So I've gone. Next thing you know, I've got a full weight. Police chase, helicopter, blue blue vans, um, blue cars all around me, this, that, and the other. I'm on the motorway coming back into Leeds. I thought, I'll tell you what, I need to get back to Leeds. And um, I need to get back to Leeds and get somewhere where, when I get out of this car, I've got witnesses, because I don't think they're going to be too pleased with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, next thing you know, whew, drives back up to the street where I was, Full of police, ambulance, everything. I thought, I don't think now's the time to give myself up. So I've <laughs> gone down a side street, gone over, I did a little bit of silly driving and that, gone over the um, pavement, other side of the road, this, that and the other. Swung around this corner and I could see the taxi driver's face and I slammed on because I thought, I've done no wrong up to now. But if I smash into the, a member of the public, that's something they can get me for. Mm-hmm. So I've slammed on, next thing you know, I'm like that. Ah. And he's like, ooh. As I'm like, ah, fair enough. Next thing you know, bang, I've heard bang in the back of the van. The police have rammed the van. So I thought, oops. So I've come out, come out of the van. I'll do a chase. So they chase me. Any police out there, please. I'm an innocent man these days. I'm only telling you something that happened years ago. It's on public record. All right. So don't think that I'm having a go or being terrible to you. I'm not because I don't want no headache from the police. I think the police have got a job to do if they do it properly and respect you. Yeah. So anyway, next thing you know, took chase, they've started chasing me. Now, this is right next to the local police station. So when the police hear the word man down, they drop everything mm-hmm. and they're coming. So anyway, I've run in about these streets and that give a little chase and I've come back out onto um, Jewsbury Road and it was just full of police. If I say 60... I'm saying 60, so that I'm not exaggerating, but it was more. The street was just full. So I've stopped and I've thought to myself, you know what, I'm nicked. No, no, I can do. So I'm, think, I'm also thinking to myself, you know what, might be a few ticket sales here for boxing. You never know. No, they might, you never know. So, and all this is happening, and all of a sudden I felt, bang, my legs have gone from behind. I forgot about them chasing me, didn't I? You know what I mean? Because I thought, well, I'm nicked. So they're saying, get on the floor, get on the floor. I'm saying, listen, I'm nicked. Just nick me. Next thing you know, boom, from behind. Um, whoever's chasing me took me out from behind. I'm on the floor. Next thing you know, I thought, right, I'm nicked. They put two dogs on me. They put a dog on me, put a dog on me, and I'm flapping like a fish. The dogs have got my legs and all that business, and I'm thinking, fucking hell. You know, they give me a bit of a kicking. Mm. Um, and I thought, 
Fair enough. And sometimes you might think this is crazy and that, but I thought, well, I'll call this even then. This might be even because of the, the, what they're doing to me here now and what they did is they put these um, plastic handcuff sort of things on behind me. They've got the handcuffs behind me. And I don't know, but God gave me some strength because they were kicking me in. They had two dogs on me. They, one of them had his knee on my head. I, had a, I could feel the um, grit from the road in my forehead. They had me down. Oh. And, and one of the th- I had my hands behind my back and I had traps. You know your traps? I had traps and my shoulders were quite well developed. And the only thing that stopped my neck from breaking that day was the fact that I tensed my traps and I, and I, cause I could feel the vertebrae in my neck crunching. But I was tense and I was tense and tense and then something happened. But you know something? Them handcuffs came off. They came off. You broke handcuffs. I'm not saying I broke handcuffs. Them handcuffs came off. I was handcuffed, um, subdued. I was flapping like a fish. And I was like, Ugh. and then all of a sudden, bang, them handcuffs snapped. You and know what I mean? The one up, the, fuck the Hulk, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it snapped. I don't know if it's divine intervention or whatever, you know what I mean? But them plastic thingamajigs, like cable type thing, they snapped. I had my feet and then I grabbed the dog and I had to grab its, um, I've got one, I'm flapping like a fish, my legs are flapping. And I grabbed it, but I grabbed it like that. So imagine the dog's like that. Yeah. I've grabbed it like that. So now I'm locked. You know what I mean? I've got the thing. I'm, I've locked myself in and I'm flapping. I'm kicking this other one away. Anyway, next thing you know, I've had to let go. I've seen the dog coming towards me. I've had to put my hand in its mouth and I've grabbed it like that. Oh. Still got, I've got a scar there from one of its oh, teeth. Yeah. Just there. Yeah. Anyway, so next thing you know, I've had to open its mouth and um, I think I might have been a little, in, a bit of a, in a little bit of a rage sort of thing. Not, a, uh, not an angry rage, but because uh, all of a sudden I heard a yelping. And that just brought me out of it because I thought, tell you what, I know somebody who did something to a police dog, God bless him and God rest his soul. And um, he got time for it because he did something to a police dog. Um, decent kid as well, decent lad, nice lad. Ended up with um, two handfuls for it. Um, and it were wrong. He got big time for it. When I say it were wrong, he did a crime, obviously, blah, blah, blah. But he did the dog. And because he did the dog, they classed that as a police officer. And I always remembered that. I always remembered that. Anyway, next thing you know, I've let go of the dog and I thought, fuck it, let them do what they want. They can't be. Out of all these officers here, all of these officers here, not all of them are going to justify what's just happened to me. No way. Not on. Not based on no evidence at all. Anyway, next thing you know, I ended up on remand for a month because my face peeled. They put pepper spray and CS gas on my, fa- on my face mm-hmm. and that. And my face had gone pink. Um, so it just took the skin off. And they kept me on remand. And for that, for that month that I was on remand, um, every single week, police visit. Initially, what they said was, um, we don't know what to charge you with because you were asleep for three days, um, the policeman. This, initially, when I went in there, they were like, we don't know what to charge you with. You don't know what to charge, what to charge you with. So listen, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I ain't done nothing wrong. I said, what are you hitting me? I said, I ain't done nothing wrong. I ain't done nothing. I've done nothing. I ain't touched nobody. Da-da-da-da. So anyway, um, after I'd beat the court, put me on the run for a month, every week they were coming up saying, listen, if you admit it, we'll take it down a charge. Well, Section 18, wounded with intent. Um, Section 18. And I'm like, listen, I've done no, I've done no, I've done no. And somebody actually came. I used to go to um, a gym in High Park 
and there was quite a few solicitors in there. And the solicitor actually came into the into the Crown Court from the back, you know, they visit, visited me. They said, keep your mouth shut, Nick. Because um, that same police station's under investigation for um, racism, police brutality, this, that, and the other. So keep your mouth shut, because they're bang out of order anyway. Excuse me, and people know what they're being like. So I thought, fair enough. So I shut my mouth, shut my mouth, shut my mouth. In the end, what they did, they came to me with a deal and says, listen, if you don't go to the police or the papers or anything like that and prosecute us, we'll call it a draw. You know what I mean? And I was thinking to myself, well, you know what? I might have done something. They've definitely done something. We'll knock it on the head, I'll, I'll call that. So they ended up giving me four months for dangerous driving when really and truly it could have been. So if it had gone wrong, it, it even got to a point where... I said to certain members of my family, listen, I might just say I blanked out, you know. And they were like, are oh, you fucking crazy? Listen, from the time you say you blanked out, you're finished, that's mental health business, they'll put you in a fucking lunatic asylum or something. Or like, oh, psh, psh, you're right. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'll just straight deny it and that. But uh, that was, um, it was actually, it was the same year that Rodney King got beat that same year. And they were scared to death because... Um, Regardless of whether I was in the right or wrong initially, the way that they... Listen, you're not supposed to have two dogs on you and that, you know what I mean? I'll tell you what, um, still scared to this day. Excuse, excuse the um, dog. Dog. Dog, dog. Oh, wow. Dog, dog, dog. There's something at the back. Just want to show you the camera there. Dog. All this, oh, you should have let me cream up my skin, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. You know what I mean? It was a quick one. But no, there's little dog scars and that. Um, and it ended up front. being, it ended up being a little bit of a, what's it called? What's in the order? Am I, it's not in the order. It's not no in the okay, order. Okay. You, know, you don't mind that, do you? No, it's fine. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a chat. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've got to ask your relationship with trainers then to lighten up the mood. Oh, trainers. <laughs> Listen. Trainers are trainers. Trainers are good people. You know what I mean? Trainers are surrogate parents, aren't they? You know what I mean? Um, hey, listen, that doesn't affect me at all. My mood doesn't change at all from that. It's a bit sad and it's a bit... Um, yeah. It's reflective of the times, isn't it? And at the end of the day, there's people being in a, a lot worse situation than me. While I was inside, um, I saw kids... I saw kids being brutalised. I've seen them being beat up. I've seen nice kids, weak kids, actually taking advantage. I was on um, one situation. I was in um, Stoke Heath... I was in the block for the for something that had gone off. And one of the things that I'd done, psychologically in there, you've got to survive. Sean, you know that, don't you? Mm. Right, you've got to survive. And what I did is I turned around and went, right then, from day one, when the screws used to say shit, I'd say, listen, not being funny, I'm not bothered about fighting the whole system. I just want one here. You know what I mean? I'll just do one here. I don't do no, and I don't talk it like a big man enough. Like I say it because you've got to say it, and I'd say, listen, because what they used to do, they'd rush, the, they'd rush the cell, fucking six or seven of them, and that, and I'd be like, right then. So there was some psychological premeditation in why I, I turned around and put the wraps on, you know, wrapped my hands, and I punched the wall, punched the wall, punched the wall, punched the wall, and they knew, and I thought, right, and they say, and then some of the scraps that I got into inside. Fortunately, I might go bang, and it's all over. But um, to be fair, we used to do some fuckery in there, and that just to turn around and put a stamp down. No, you know, listen, you'd knock them out, you take the pants off, you know, take the pants off, shove them down the toilet, and then say, right, fuck you, okay, let's see how you get out of that one. Let's see how you come out of recess like that, you silly twat. 
No, but you'd, you'd have to do things like that, you know what I mean? And that's the sort of lifestyle that, um, although it's, to some it's interesting and this, that and the other, it's reality, it's scary. You know what I mean? Because you know yourself, sometimes you've got to put a marker down just so that they don't fuck about with you tomorrow. And sometimes that marker might have to be quite brutal. You know what I mean? I've, I've been on both sides of the coin of it, you know what I mean? So, oh, when you see, it's when you're here. Imagine being in a cell and hearing, boom, 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 and kids bouncing off the, off, the, off the walls by the screws. And imagine hearing, you wouldn't do that to manners though, would you? And you think, fucking shut up, though. Can we keep my fucking name out of it? You know what I mean? I've, listen, I've done, listen, I've got it to the point where they're not fucking with me and I'm not fucking with them. Don't bring me, and oh, you wouldn't do that to manners though. I'm thinking, shut up, leave me out of it. And I'm throwing your name right yeah, in the mix. But, but can you understand what I mean there? Because in the YPs, a lot of the prison officers at that time, they, they took it. They took liberties, mate. They took liberties. They beat up the kids and that. And then one of my things is, because I'd spent four months on remand in the dispersal jail, the adult jail, I had an idea of how things really were supposed to be. So that when I went to a youth offenders, they'd be saying, straight away, I'd be like, all right, boss. They'd be like, call me, sir. Oof, come on. You know what I mean? Come on, boss. Listen, it's not no big deal. Call me, sir. And they used to be adamant that you had to call them, sir. But I'd spent four months on remand calling them boss. boss. So, well, I had to turn around and go back. So a lot of that, they'd, they'd get wound up because I'd still call them boss. Or I'd call them boss, sir. And they'd be like, <laughs> I can say boss, boss, sir, what? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and they'd get a bit wound up because all the other lads, well, a lot of the other lads, they'd have to call them sir. And I'd be like, uh, boss, you're right, boss, sir, sir, boss, boss, sir, whatever, Ossifer. And um, just wind them up a little bit. But um, like I say, there were different people who got sort of like half different treatments and that, you know what I mean? Um, all the bullshit where if you got in trouble, if you had a fight on the wing, they'd tell you to go down block, they'd take you down the block. But when it came to them taking your property, shampoos, everything in, ruin your letters, ruin your... Um, photographs, this, that and the other, just to wind you up. And um, I had a major incident at one, at one point, the Stoke Heath one. And when they came to turn around and take us down the block, I refused. And um, they'd come with a couple, no Mufti squad and that. I said, nah, I said, I'll tell you what, I know that you're out of order and you know that they're out of order. So I'll tell you what you do. Give me 10 minutes. Because they'd come saying, get out now. I said, no, give us 10 minutes. Let me put my stuff away. Let me pack my stuff. You know, you like, um, is it the bed pack, um, the, the mattress cover? Right. Let me put my stuff in my mattress cover. I'll take my stuff myself because I know for a fact that if you lot take my gear, it's all ruined. And if that's the case, come and take me out. I'll kick off. Um, I'll, I am kicking off. And um, you'll have to drag me down there. Simple as that. Um, and I'd always said to them, I'm not saying like I'm a tough man. I'm just saying it as it was in there. Um, I'd always said, I'm not bored about fighting the old system and that if you come and fuck with me, I'm only looking to do, um, get a good lick on one of you. And if I can get a good lick on one of you, that'll do. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll lay down. And um, the thing is, none of them wanted to be that first one, did they? So as long as I didn't overstep the mark or take some proper liberties, which I wouldn't do anyway, they'd sort of like give me a little bit of a distance. And um, they actually thought, the, the, the ones who were twats were twats. And they just wanted total control and dominance, you know what I mean? But the ones who were half fair, they were all right and they knew that I was all right, if you know what I mean. So where did you meet Crazy Scott, who had an ass like a shop? That's him, bit nine bar. 
Really? You know I mean? that's, the, that's the old Scott who turned around and came in. He went, oh, do you smell? <laughs> like, oh. What do you mean you had an ass like a shop? Well, he could have got all sorts in there. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I mean, you know okay. I mean? that is the bank. <laughs> He's storing plenty of Yeah, he would have all sorts in there. He's fucking hell, he had that. He had, uh, <laughs> well, you meant he had a big ass. No, he had a big old well, cavity well, no, of an ass. Yeah. Yeah. You're not know a nine bar like, don't you? A nine bar might be, used to be like, it'd be, maybe. Well, you've got like massive that. hands there, No. Look how big your hands are. Look at yours, aren't too bad, aren't they? They're long, aren't no, they? Piano that. hands. Piano hands? Oh, you're, you think yours are slender and all that, do you? Oh, they're not like shovels, are they? I think they're quite elegant hands, myself. They, they're very, very, uh, yeah. Quite elegant. Beautiful. Powerful. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jen has just been weird with a guy called Vulture, and he's talking about Lee Duffy. So yes. Jen, Jen's just learning about the legend of Lee Duffy. We're doing it. Meant to be doing a tour of him on Sunday. Um, I, mean, I, was in, I was in Durham at the same time as Lee Duffy, but Lee Duffy had gone on the cons, I put him on the cons. But okay. you know something? Even now, I'm, I'm quite glad that I didn't meet him, to be fair. Because I, don't, I personally don't know what kind of a guy he was, and I don't know if he was one of them who would, if he thought you may be a threat in any way, shape or form to his domain, so to speak. Not to him personally, but if you had, maybe if he thought, maybe if other people thought you were a bit tough, he might turn around and go, well, I've got to go find out how tough this fella is. And I'm quite glad that I didn't meet up with him, actually, because he's probably fucking well, flogged I'm going to ask, what are the rumours are about him? Handful, handful. Proper, proper, proper handful for his age group. Handful, okay. handful. Proper handful. He was, a, he was a real one. He was a real one. Anyone who, like, like Nick said, anyone who heard was hard. He'd go over it. He would go, and it was expanding. Yeah. It was expanding, wasn't yeah. it, all the time? Yeah, while well, I was in Durham, I thought, to, at, that same, at that same time when I chinned that kid, um, chinned that kid for the water, he was in at the same time, and it was somebody else who half knew him who said he was going to do me, and I had to go down to the, um, well, the recess, and thankfully it didn't happen. But Lee were in there at the same time, and he had a real mean reputation and I thought to myself you know I thought nah it's too much for me you know what I mean that's there's there's tough and there's rough and tough and he was rough and tough you know what I mean there's a couple of there were a couple of lads who were real handfuls real handfuls he was one of them um, there's a, there was one from Leeds who passed away from Bramley Way that one was another one. I won't give his name, you know what I mean? Because he was a really, really, really tough guy. Our age group, tough. Um, respected in there as well for being... A, and it takes some... Listen, there's some hard men in there, you know that? And they're not all named. But some of them that are named, <laughs> some dangerous fuckers, man. Dangerous. No no pain threshold. No... Um, what's the word? Um, conscience. No conscience. They'll sort you out and... When it came to that kind of crime, I realised that I had a bit of a conscience in that, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm a, I'm a shit crook anyway. I'm always getting caught. Um, I don't think this crime's for me. Although, although, although I, I understand it and I get it, and to a degree, I was excited by it because what what a, pop, a lot of people should realise is that crime on the outside so glamorous, so exciting, so much fun. It is, because the proceeds of crime give you a fantastic lifestyle. Nice Tem- cars. Temporarily. Tem- yeah. Well, yeah, nice cars, nice clothes, nice this, that and the other. Um, for a while. For a while. And then it's the progression, because um, 
you might be the champion today. But there's a champion coming up tomorrow who, there's an old saying, the king is dead. Long live the king. Very relevant. And uh, very relevant. And I'll tell you something, I learned at an early age, it, it's brutal. It's brutal. Like I say, we grew up on um, some serious gangster films and all that back in the day. And um, when they turn around and talking about chopping off your hand and um, taking out your family and terrorising you, and that, you realise actually that's a different level of shit and that's not me. Um, I'll tell you what, I think I need to find a job and do something um, constructive, you know what I mean? Because some of them, I feel very fortunate, you know what I mean, to be here. I know that um, in reality, you've had some people on who can, they blow my experiences out of the water. And I'll tell you something, um, I say to them, all the best, mate, because um, the background that you are and the background that you've had, I feel for you. Some of them guys, a lot of these guys that are here, they've had some traumatic backgrounds, man. Not enough love, um, not enough um, guidance. And you can't knock them for the existence that they've had to turn around and play. I, I don't knock them. I think the root cause of crime is childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. I think so, you know. Yeah. I really do. You know what I mean? Um, I'll tell you what. I knew I was going to go to jail. How? No. Well, because um, there's two places you're going to go. Um, army or jail back then. Um, and I was like, well, the things that I'm doing, chances are I'm going to get nicked. So I wanted to join the army and that. Um, but I was dissuaded from that, which is a massive regret in certain respects because I'd have loved that discipline. When I see kids who's been, even if they've only been in there for three years or something like that, I admire them. And I see that um, it shapes them for life, even if it's just in how they hold themselves, how they um, present themselves. Um, it shapes them for life. It shapes them for life. And a lot of these kids, I know that I always go back to the kids and that, but that's where my passion is. Um, because my experience, I see a lot of them kids um, in certain ways going that way. And I don't think that they are going to have the presence of mind or the opportunity to stop. Whereas I knew myself I had to stop. You know what I mean? Because really and truly, um, I know a couple of guys, they've got liquid kosh, ligactyl and all that business. And you're like, Jesus Christ. So, well, actually, that makes the strongest man immobile. And there's not what you can do. I don't know why they didn't... Um, no, I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. I don't think they've got the needle in him. But uh, no, go on, carry so on. So Viv Graham was lead off his opposition, wasn't yeah. he? What, what did you hear about Viv Graham? Well, um, he was another one who was like a gentleman crook. Always smart. I loved the fact that he was always smart, always presented, and he, all, he, all, he came across very well. I was, in, um, I was in there, and in the gym, we were playing basketball, and he was in there playing chess with somebody in the changing room, which was behind some double doors. So the double doors are there, but the basketball hoops there, and you're playing the door, so the doors were like flush to the the court. So as whilst I'm playing, I've had a dig in the ribs off um, one of the lads on the other side. I thought, hang on a minute, that would have been that one. That's not basketball. That would have that would have dig in ribs. I have to get you back. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like that. So he's going, and it's coming down, and he's, he's like fucking Michael Jordan or something, going, oh, I'm going to go this score. And he's jumped, and he's in the air. Gotcha. 
jump. And I just shoved him through these double doors. I thought, well, if he was good, yeah, I just shoved him through. But he, and it was just like one of them where it's vroom, gone. Yeah, you twat, you won't push me. But he went through these double doors, bang, straight into Vic Graham's um, chest thing and this, that and the other. Bang, down. So I'm like that. So I'm like that. I've gone, sorry about that, mate. I apologise for that, you know what I mean? Um, and he's like that. And for a split second, they were like, and then they were like, it was an accident. And they were cool with it, you know what I mean? Um, in reality, shouldn't be. Should have been behind doors playing chess anyway, you know what I mean? Tell Jen what he looked like. Um, the Vic Graham? Yeah. yeah. He was a, he, I thought he was a well-made fella. Um, <laughs> big chest and that, no legs and that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. No, because a lot of the guys, well, he had shape on him and that, but he, he was like a, he looked cool. Like a mm, good-looking fella. Nicely groomed and that, you know what I mean? Um, not, I don't know. What did I describe him as? What did you think of? What did... Yeah, yeah. He, he had a lot of chest on him, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, big chest, big old chest and that, big frame on him and that. But, um, like, he wasn't the usual rough, horrible-sounding, speaking scrag. He wasn't, he were well, no, he wasn't, he were well, well put together, like a gentleman crook, you know, another good fella, that kind of thing. Um, I found I found him quite. He was all right. Didn't, not personal, personal, but from what I seen of him and when I seen him walking around the place and that, he was he was an all right fella. He want, he didn't seem like a bully and that, and he didn't seem like he was pushing people about or taking advantage of people. Um, and that was my experience of him up there. Lee Duffy was obsessed with him, trying to get find him and get him. Uh, they both ended up yeah. dead, but they never met. They never actually had that fight. Mm. Yeah. I think you know something. It's a funny situation there because, like you say, the king is dead, long live the king. At the end of the day, you might get somebody with a big reputation. And the thing is, chances are you might get somebody who wants that reputation. And what's the best way for them to get it? For them to get it, they're going to come, regardless of how old you are. You see that all the time, especially in prison. They yeah. want to make a name off so-and-so. Off somebody else, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like one of, one of the expressions I've always used is, don't cut your teeth on me. You know what I mean? Don't cut your teeth on me. I'm not a threat to you, so don't think him. I, I'm not into it. I ain't got time for violence. The only violence I want is today. You control violence. You know what I mean? We also got some female tension from the legendary Myra Hendry. 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 Oh, talking about her. She was in thingy. She was we're in talking Durham. talking about her on the way over, weren't we? She's a nutter. Yeah. She was in, um, she was in Durham on the... How on earth did H-ring. you get to speaking with her? Because she'd be able to shout out windows and that. What was she saying? Well, you just talk sex money. It shows your tits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we're young lads. It shows your tits and that. And you know what it is? She didn't. She but I don't know what it is. But your eyes are a funny thing. And they'll imagine whatever you want. You know what I mean? Because we're like, oh, I, I think I can see something. Yeah, I think I can see. It might be a shoulder. It might be a tits. And, uh, but isn't, and you're looking and you think, and you're like, stand to the side. <laughs> stand to the side so I can see your silhouette. You know what I mean? But... Um, you couldn't really see, no. It was just your imagination. You know what I mean? Was she the highest profile one who was in there during his days? Yeah, I would say so. But, you know, sometimes what you've got to remember, highest profile, yeah. yeah. Probably yes. highest profile because it's a profile. But you've got some sick people inside there that um, some of the things that they do. I've had some cellmates. I've had some cellmates where I've had to turn around and say, listen, mate, I'm not being funny. Press the buzzer. You've got to go. Really? You know, yeah. Press the buzzer. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go now. Kick the door, man. Kick the fucking door. Because I can't stay a night with you. And um, because they put all sorts in with you. You know what I mean? Um, sex offenders, this, that, and the other. 
and you're like, come on, mate. So you just like press the buzzer, get the fuck out. Yeah, but the thing is, um, back in the day, what they used to do for you to get a cell change, well, you'd have to get your gear, sling it over the landing, run down the thing, and demand that you're not going back in that cell. You're not going back in. Oh, da, da, da. And um, it's horrible the sort of people that will put you in there um, psychologically, and you've got no wonder half these kids are fucked up when they come out. You know what I mean? Because they're exposed to so much shit and so much. Um, that's where that's where criminality is fermented, so to speak. You know what I mean? I'll tell you, you can come in, you can go, you go in, go inside, and you'll come out a better, wiser, stronger criminal. <sighs> Don't make sense. Those people that you tried to refuse to be sell with, did any of them resist and say "fuck you" or anything like that? No, the fuck. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Listen, you, you fucking bag out of order for being in there. Yeah. You know? No, 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 no. And the ones that um, had to stay overnight. Mm. Yeah, you dealt with them. You, you torture them. Oh, not torture them. You know what I mean? Um, I was with a guy who refused to let the guy sleep in the bed. He went like, ah, "Listen, you're not sleeping in the bed, mate. You don't deserve it." And he took his mattress, put it. So he doubled up his mattress. He made the fella sleep on. The, he didn't even let him sleep on the floor. Made him sleep on the slats. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's a bit. That must be a bit. And through night and that. Um, Kid were crying and everything, you know what I mean? But it done wrong. It done wrong. You know what I mean? It like, and I were like, to be fair, you're out of order, mate, and you're lucky, to be fair. And then next morning, he were another one, slung his stuff over and uh, down the landing and off. But the thing is, a lot of these are kids. So you think, well, hang on a minute, what makes a kid or a young lad do shit like that? You know, and I can't get in their heads. I can't get in their heads. Well, carry on. I know you want some juice. <laughs> well, we're going to try and squeeze some uh, more prison stories out of you, I'm sure. See, you like that gore and all that business. And um... I don't know what it is for me, but yeah, I mm. watch a lot of crime programs. And mm. I'll tell you what, what I'd say to any of these kids is this. Um, I used to do a lot of, um, and I, I wouldn't mind doing that again as well. You know, I'm going to say mentoring. I'll go and I'll talk to kids and that. You know what I mean? I'll say what, to in prison and stuff? No, no, in the schools and that before we get to prison. And I think the job is not to go to prison and talk to him, it's to go to the schools and prevent him going to prison. Because Sean does school talks. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I, can imagine that. I can imagine you'll go down a hit as well, you know? I mean? Yeah, it's a good reception. It's nice, though, to see the effect it has on him and yeah. get, get asked the questions. And, no, the thing is, you'll and, see... And years later, you get emails from him saying... Say thank you. One said um, she was so inspired she went on to do a criminology degree. There you go. Things Listen, like that. A lot of people don't realise um, criminology. Well, look at... You know when you put these... Um, criminology is very, very interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, when they do all this forensics, I turned around and said, mm. years ago, mm. remember when the bill first came out? The bill? Yeah. I probably wasn't in this country. Right. I was in America for almost When the bill years, started, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, fucking hell. Jesus Christ. Mm. It's like fucking... Um, Crime stoppers, that. Mm. So what do you mean? So, well, they're telling you everything that goes on. You know what I mean? From both sides. You know what I mean? So they're both wising each other up. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah, so the criminals are getting wise off the... And the police are getting wise off them. But um, I don't know. Talk to me. What about drugs in prison over the years? Did you see it change, drug use? Yeah. Um, them early days, don't get me wrong, there were smackheads. And there were... Um, what's that... Where they put it on foil and they suck it up. Is it the spice? Fuck that! No, spice wasn't even heard of then. Uh, Not here. Foil and suck it up, crack. No, is it like brown heroin or something? Oh, like heroin's that? chasing the dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there were that kind of thing. Um, and to tell you the truth, in I've never been about drugs. Nah. nah, not for me. 
Um, but there's a lot of drama over the drug debts and situations, isn't there? Well, I remember there was a certain person, um, a lovely fella from Leeds, lovely fella, got a lot of time for him. Uh, we met in there, and what had happened is he was a baron. You remember? No, a baron is doing drug baron. Yeah, he was a baron in there, but he was small, so we were getting picked on a little bit when he went when he would try to get his debts back so he, he needed an enforcer well you might call it an enforcer I call it a friend I would, <laughs> I would, no listen listen. alright then you like the spicy bit but I'm going to tell you as I see it watch he was a little black guy who was in there and he's doing his thing he's juggling alright um, he was a he was a serious minority alright there was only four black guys in there um, but he was doing his thing but when he went to try and get his uh, money back um, his you know, money for the debt They'd be telling him to piss off and this, that, and the other, and call him all sorts and that. And then I got there as another Leeds lad, and like I'm like, oh, what's, what's going here? Who's running it? Did there? What's going on? So he said, nah, I'm doing my thing and that, but them man are taking the piss. They're not giving me money and this, that, and the other. So I'm like, yo, but do me a favour. Don't get in a situation where um, they're gonna do something to you or say something to you that indirectly affects me, and I've got to get involved. So I just want to go home, man. So the next thing you know. I'm hearing them cussing him and calling him this and calling him that. And I'm like, fucking hell. So I says, yo, I'll tell you what you do. Do me a favour. Rather than you going, when, listen, rather than you going to collect the stuff, I'll go and get it. Because seeing this, seeing how you're treated there, it's making, it's making me want to kick off and that and this and it's not lot to do with me. So I'll tell you what it is, you sort me out. Um, you sort me out to a degree and I'll make sure that this, I'll not make sure, but I'll, I'll collect. So it was a lot easier getting it back off them lads and that without the abuse and assault. I'll tell you what it is. That same kid, when I came out and I was boxing and I turned pro years later, um, I ended up getting an area title, um, which is that one there. And you know what? He, he sponsored it. Wow. He sponsored it. He went, wow. when, when we were looking for um, when we were looking for sponsors, with the certain people that you don't want to go to because you're going to end up beholden. And then you're in their net. And I was like, listen, when they were asking certain people, like kid was saying, I went, nah, 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 nah. And that person came up and says, I heard that you're struggling and you're looking for, I mean, yeah, don't worry oh, about that. Oh, that's fantastic, isn't it? Good karma. Good, yeah, yeah, really yeah. good, really good. And I'm actually very, very pleased that he was able to do that because, like you say, it is good karma. Mm. And it's something that I look back and I think, well, I didn't even ask you for that, but you know what, fair enough. Mm. Fair play. Mm. Wow. But he's, he ended up, Finished dead. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's dead now. Because um, of the lifestyle. Yeah. 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 Assassinated, bang, done. Oh, wow. Mm. I think that it's all over the place. Such a shame. So yeah, we've moved on to the boxing. Yeah. Eubanks. What about him? Your um, experience. Oh, Eubanks. Now, I love Eubanks. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's eloquent, he's articulate, he's smart, and I've never heard him say anything wrong. I've heard him say some quirky things, some kooky things. But quirky. if you look at it, ask yourself if he's wrong. No. He's an intelligent enough man that what he comes out of his mouth, he knows that he can back up. Right then. Love you, Banks. I love his eloquence. I love his that little bit of weirdness that I have. Did you watch him on the Lou Ferrou episode? I watched him on True Jordy as well. <laughs> yeah? Lou Ferrou. Lou Ferrou. You know what it is? You know what's the most fans. relevant one? Do you remember when um, young Chris Blue um, thing is in his face? Yeah. And it went in his mouth. <laughs> 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 you seen them, um, what are them things called? Them um, little dandelion things? Um, 
Um, defiant and boisterous and um, he blew that and um, I know that them leaves I don't know if he threw it or blew it threw some leaves and they went in his mouth in Chris Eubank Senior's mouth because he was trying to play the disciplinarian I am the disciplinarian my kids look they listen to everything I say and da 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 yeah dad right <laughs> <laughs> but I love the Eubanks and I love um, I do I do I'm a real admirer and respect I'm respectful of Chris Eubanks and how he goes on because you can see how his son Now, regardless of what anybody wants to say, if they can't see that his son's a very polite, well-mannered young man, mm. there's something wrong with them. You know what I mean? Because I like him. I like Chris Eubanks Jr. I like um, Chris Eubanks Sr. I think he's a great guy. Have you um, met him? Yeah. Yeah, I sparred, I sparred with Chris Eubanks Sr. Um, had a great experience down in Cornwall with him um, before, he, before he boxed. Who was he boxing? Carl Thompson. He was boxing Carl Thompson. Had a great experience. It was nice to be able to swap fists with him. Um... Guy's a dude. Um, I thought to myself, before the first round, he'd like um, done four rounds with a guy, a really nice guy called Phil Day from down in Bristol. Good cruiserweight, good, decent kid. Um, and very intelligent young man as well. Done really well for himself outside the sport, which I'm glad to say. Phil Day, nice guy. Um, but we were both sparring. And um, he did the first four rounds with Phil Day. And he gave Phil a bit of a pasty and that, you know what I mean? Um, he was a top-class kid, with his Eubanks. So he'd give... Fill some fist, Phil give him some back and that. Comes to my turn. And this, imagine this is the front of the ring. There, it's come to it and it's gone. Lifted up the thing and he just went like that. And I thought, fucking hell, I shit myself. I, mean, I could feel my guts going. Yeah. So I thought, Jesus Christ. Anyway, so rather than go directly in where he wanted me to go, Oh, Eubanks. Well, I love Eubanks, and I know Eubanks is a state of mind, so let me just get into his. So I went right the way around the back of the, the ring and got in behind him. And I've gone, Mr. Eubanks, it's a pleasure to boom! And he fucking hit me. And he went, be ready at all times. I thought, oh. bastard, he's got me. Because I thought, oh. he's took, he's, he tried to take control. I took control. He took control back. I thought, I should have known. Clever I shouldn't. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we had a good sparring, had a good experience, great experience sparring with them guys down there. You know what I mean? Um, clever man, clever man, smart man, strong man, good man. So what about your experience with Jay Kawasaki? Well, that was a good one, actually. I'm really, I'm really, one of the things is, let me just say, to be a top class professional boxer is a very, very hard thing. And you have to put in so much. You have to sacrifice so much. I'll tell you something straight. I wasn't prepared to do that. I know that it's a lot of hard, hard work put in. And you know something? There's a little bit of luck involved as well. It might be luck that you don't get injured. It might be luck that you have a fight at a certain time. It might be luck that you inspired yourself and trained yourself so well that for that one moment you gave such a performance that it changed everybody's perception of your career. Bang. Now, for the hard work and the hard rounds and the sparring that's done be before, behind the scenes and the peanuts that you'd expected to get, 
excuse my language, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting all that effort in on a maybe. Whereas these guys who are winning world titles, they're surefire. They're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, 100%, I give 100% credit to the professionals who give it all. Because I'll tell you something, psychologically, you're giving it all and you might end up with fuck all. You know what I mean? It is, you give it all. The majority of the fighters who haven't been successful sometimes work as hard for nothing as the fighters who are successful. successful. So you've got to think about it. How many are successful? Maybe you were doing 5%. quite well, though, between your career, between 1990 and 1998. Yeah, I did quite well. I did fantastic. So nine knockouts, four Ten knockouts, ten knockouts out of 11, 11 wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My script is fantastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. But I also know that I only touched the, ice, uh, the tip of the iceberg. Some of the guys that I fought um, were really, really good guys. And to tell you the truth, in all honesty, and this is my honesty, there's not one of them that I can turn around and say truly beat me. And I know a lot of fighters say that. They, I was beaten, but psychologically and mentally, I, don't, I did not feel beaten by any of them. Um, when, I, when I boxed Joe Kalazagi, I was, I was bested by him. I'll make no excuse. Because was it knockout or points? Um, I got stopped. Um, not knockout, stopped. Stopped on my feet. Um, knackered. Knackered. Mm. Exhausted. What round uh, was that? Fourth. Oh. Knackered. Well, I started feeling tired as soon as bell went. I was like, oh. <laughs> I won't give no excuses. I'll give no reasons. The better man won. And I'll tell you something, whether or not, whether or not I was prepared or not is totally irrelevant. Because one thing that you've got to be in this boxing, be ready. If you get a call six days before and accept, accept it, You've got be ready. Fit no, you've got to be ready all the time. Wow. Yeah, is, it, yeah. is that enough time to be ready if you wasn't prepared? Well, well, if you, well nine out of ten, you're going to be... Um, it's not really enough time anyway, but it's, it is a good enough time to give a very credible performance if you're ready. But if you're not ready, you're just going to be working on empty. And psychologically, um, fighters are more confident when they've already put the work in. So you're in a permanent state of fitness. Me? You've got to be. Oh, you've got to be, yeah. Yeah. Or at least um, 15% off it. So why did you say you ran out of steam right away on that one? Oh, fucked. <laughs> oh, fucked. I ain't trained. Okay. I ain't trained. I ain't okay. boxed for over a year. Um, uh, no disrespect. Yeah. I don't even want to make an exit. I don't want to... Why did you take me. the fight? Because you had to fight. You have to fight. At the end of the day, one of the reasons is, back in the day, if you weren't, if you weren't active for over four months, they'd take you out of the ratings. And the ratings to every fighter is sacrilege. When you see, if you see, okay then, books, books and bestsellers list. If you see your, your books in the bestsellers list, that means that you're, you're recognised, you're, you're in the ratings. If they're not, if none of your books are in the ratings, where are you? You don't exist. Thank you. So in the boxing, if you're in the ratings, whether you're the last one, at least you're there. You can, there's your dream. When you see your friends, you can go, here. Yeah, that's where I am and that's where I want to be. Da, 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 da. So what happened was um, I ended up... Um, Started getting in trouble and this, that and the other. I was out of the way. So when I come back, um, I was frozen out in certain respects because um, I'd split up with my manager, Mickey Duff, got my contract back. He'd give me, he'd be, he'd give me my contract back. Um, happy days, wanted rid. And uh, I was out for 12 months, then 18 months. But what happened was, I was in the same camp 
as Joe Kalazagi. I was in the same camp as another ferocious fighter called Which one? Bruce Scott. Now, Bruce Scott, plenty of people will know this. Bruce Scott was a serious banger, cruiserweight banger. So anyway, I'll tell you the story of Bruce Scott. I hadn't boxed for um, I hadn't boxed since the Joe, Joe Kalazagi fight. I don't know for twelve or eighteen months, fifteen months. Gets a call, bang, Bruce Scott, London. I'm like fucking hell. And I was, I was ringing up the boxing news every other month saying, listen, I'm still boxing, I'm still boxing, I'm still boxing, keep me in the ratings, I'm still boxing. So next thing you know, I get off of this fight, York Hall, Bethel Green against the kid, Bruce Scott. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have that. Um, keeps me in the ratings and that, and um, I'll have a good go. So he drives down to London, gets outside and sees this fella, like a wall, mean looking guy, looks like, looks like a mini Mike Tyson. But I looked the part as well. You can see there's something about him. So I've said to me, um, the fellow who was going to give me the water anyway, I've said to him, listen, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. And whatever happens tonight, we've got to come back and watch this guy fight because he looks mean. He looks ferocious. I've got to see him do his damage. So I get in the ring. Next thing you know, I hear this music. Da, 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 living in the gangster paradise. Da, 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 da. Next thing you know. Oh, remember that? Yeah. So I'm like that. I'm thinking, let's hope I get out of this one tonight. Fucking hell, Nick. You've got, you should take your boxing serious, man. Da, da, da. It's a bit too late. So next thing you know, I'm like that. Next thing you know, I see his old Brutus. This thing coming towards the ring. So I'm looking, thinking, is there, is there two rings here? Is there two fights <laughs> going on? And I realise it's him. I thought, fucking hell. Well, Jesus Christ, what's going on? I'm looking at my trainer who's come down. I'm like, ah, and he's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I said, I'll tell you what. <sighs> Fucking hell. So anyway, Bruce has got in the ring. And he was a mean fella anyway. He was, he was. He was a mean, you know, when he's in the boxing ring, mean, simple. And he did this though, but he went, he got in the ring and he turned around and he went and looked at me like that. I thought, you cheeky cunt. So I said, fuck you. So you're going to get a fight. You, I'm going to give it a go. You know what I mean? Looking at me well, like that. And I, but it was just that bit where I thought, cheeky, fuck you. I'm going to give you a go. I'm going to give you a go here. So I got stopped in the fifth round, but on my feet again, knackered. You know what I mean? But still firing back. And I'll tell you what, though, the punches that he missed me with, missed me with. Thank God they did. I could feel the, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, this man, what? I can't. And the shots that I blocked off him, I was like, that twat's not hitting me on my fucking chin. Not a chance. You know what I mean? Because I'll tell you what it is. Um, he's not putting me to sleep. You know what I mean? I was like, boop, boop, and I was boxing him. We had, a, we had a good little fight. I think we had a good little fight. You know what I mean? I got stopped in the fifth on my feet and that. Um, and I was quite pleased with that because um, he was a bit of a monster and I shouldn't have fought him. I shouldn't have fought him. Um, in reality, sometimes what we used to do back then is you test yourself and something that you couldn't do as a fighter was refuse a fight. Because if you refuse the fight, you sort of like wondered, am I scared? Am I bottle, has, has my bottle gone? Do, am I just, am I a bully just picking on fights that I can win and that? So you'd have to challenge yourself. You know what I mean? Um, I've got to give this guy credit. There's a guy called Tony Booth. Um, he's a character. He's a character. I'm surprised that Jamie or somebody asked you to um, interview him. He's a very, very... Tony Booth, anyway, is one of the most um, accomplished journeymen in English boxing and that for everybody from heavyweight right down to like middle anyway next thing you know um, I was due to fight on an undercard and the main event 
was Michael Gale and Tony Booth. So anyway, they had one or two issues with um, Michael as regards to fight this guy. Michael was a really, really good guy, boxed for a Commonwealth title and that, really good guy. Um, anyway, for whatever reason, they pulled Michael out. So they went, oh, we're going to um, get a substitute, top of the bill. Excuse me, something like that. Oh, what are you going to do there then? Oh, we're going to get a lovely, talented kid from Manchester called Delroy, Del, Delroy Wall. But can you hear what, what I've just said from Manchester? So I'm like, why are you getting somebody from Manchester to top of Leeds bill? Yeah, we're in Halifax, like Leeds bill. So he's gone, oh, da-da-da-da-da. So I said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't I fight Tony Booth? So they went, oh, he's about 18 months um, month down the line. You know, so then, listen, I'm a big lad now. I've got hairs on my balls. And if I can fight, I'm going to have a fight. Um, I'll, I'll take his place. Why are we going to have a mank coming over to... Um, and that's no disrespect to the mank lads. That's how we were back then. There was a big rivalry. You'll win no. <laughs> You'll win nothing this year. Forget your Champions League and all that business. You're doing no. There's only one United, Leeds United. Remember that. Done. So anyway, what's this? So we've... Um, I ended up getting elevated to top of the bill. Um, so I was going to box for eight rounds for the first time. Now, everybody wants a gut check moment. Did you see the boxing? I don't know if you watched boxing, but there was boxing at the weekend. Um, I did watch it at the weekend. The, the one before, watch, where yeah. there was big robbery was. Uh, there was Jack Catterall and um, Josh Taylor. And then last week, there was an absolutely fantastic fight with... Fight of the bloody hell. Just this weekend. My mind's gone blank there, but it was one of the best fights. Josh uh, Woods, Lee Woods, and the Irish lad, Mike, Michael Conlon. Fantastic fight. If you watch that fight, you'll fall in love with boxing, just like that. But that's... Every, every fighter, boxer, wants a gut check moment. You need to know if you've got guts. You need to know if you're really worthy of being in here. And um, I boxed this kid, Tony Booth, and I ended up boxing a draw with him. Now, I won. If, you, if I put the video up, I won. But you know something? I was quite happy with the draw. You know why? He got to the end. And for him to get to the end of that, that point, I was like, fair enough, he deserves something. Um, but after the fourth round, I was absolutely exhausted. Gone. Gone. But I trained. You know what I mean? But I... Totally exhausted. What is it with the fourth round? You know what it is? Yeah. yeah. That amateur, the amateur thing. What it is, is with me learning to box at a late age, psychologically, when I went into the boxing, I went into the boxing amateur three rounds. So mm. to a degree, I was psychologically like three rounds of fire, three rounds of fire. And on the amateurs, I did really well within them three rounds. You know what I mean? Because it was like, um, I had quite a few stoppages in the amateurs. Um, and when we went to the pros, it was like transferring that psychological mindset to do the longer rounds. And you just couldn't cut it. I couldn't. Say that again. Couldn't. <laughs> Didn't quite couldn't make preserve it. your energy. That's better. <laughs> 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 she she said, you cut it, fuck you. No way. You made him swear now. Yeah. yeah no apologies, you know. <laughs> that was justified. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let nothing pass. Um, so anyway. So you just came out in, in like a blaze for three rounds. And you yeah. No, it doesn't matter of blaze. I'd come preserved. out and I'd be like that. And because I didn't have, um, with all due respect and no disrespect, <sighs> we used to t- 
to a degree, we used to train ourselves. What we do is you just do it, do it, do it. You'd do X amount on the back, do X amount on the pads, do X amount doing this. The trainers tried, but sometimes the trainers, they didn't... <sighs> Training techniques have advanced so much over the years and they, they are getting into strength and conditioning. They're learning to turn... Like, don't get me wrong, fighters fight. And by rights, what you do is just fight. You fight all night. But sometimes there's got to be some strategy and it's about food and this, that and the other. Listen, we weren't even eating properly. We would eat. Listen, we were on council estate diets for boxing and expected to win in that. And we were winning in that, you know what I mean? But eating absolute crap, rubbish. I, there's a quote in that book where I say, I look like a champion, train like a fool. Mm. You know what I mean? If you look at me, if you look at the pictures, yeah, I always looked in condition. That was my physique. Phys- that's my physicality and that's muscle memory. Yeah. But in reality... I never had the stamina and the conditioning that um, warranted that would have allowed me to turn around and um, have more confidence in myself to do the job. Because with all due respect and no disrespect, I really do believe that within myself, yeah, there's championship material there. Um, could I have won a world title? Could I have won a British title? Could I have won a European title? I'll never say never. But what I will turn around and say is that at the age that I was when I started, it meant that the grounding that I should have had over the years wasn't quite there. So a lot of my boxing was done on instinct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like a lot of kids. So what round did you knock out Paul Sykes? Oh, was the, it man, the, the man who knocked out Sharks, that is. Jamie Boyle's written yeah. several books was that about in the him. First, about Paul first... Sykes. No, I never fought him. I, f- I fought him. Well, what happened was... Um, was it, um... Oh, I thought you said boxing at Ellen Road, knocking I, yeah. out Paul Sykes. Yeah, I, boxed, I was boxing at Ellen Road. Yeah. But he came in the changing rooms and we had a bit of an altercation. <laughs> You know, Can you explain to Jen yeah. a bit about Paul Sykes? Yeah. Paul Sykes, um, like, rule number one, if you've got nothing nice to say about um, somebody, I'm not going to say nothing, I've got nothing terrible to say about Paul Sykes because um, the situations that he's had to go through in his life, that's him, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, he was, um, he was a very dangerous man. Big, strapping, ex-heavyweight boxer, um, continually in prison and all that business, you know what I mean? Um, so he's on it. He's very, very, very hard man, tough man, um, well-known as well, very well-known all over the country, you know what I mean? In all the prisons as well and in the cities as well. He was a he was a dangerous man, a well-known man, a formidable opponent. Lots of people scared of him. Um, I was boxing at Ellen Road. I was, um, I was fortunate enough to box on the undercard of... Henry Wharton, Fidel Castro-Smith, Bomber Graham and Frank Grant. And it was the first stadium fight at Ellen Road on the pitch. So thankfully I was fortunate to go on there as a Leeds United fan. Sorry about that, I keep knocking this thing, don't I? My apologies, all right. Um, But I was fortunate to box on that bill. And as a Leeds lad, one thing that I turned around and said as soon as that fight was announced was, do us a favour, I need to be on that bill. And I remember Mickey Duff saying, no, we haven't saw it yet. I'm not being funny. Do us a favour, I need to be on that bill because my mates and my pals are all Leeds United fans and we're Leeds United fans. And I cannot imagine in 30 years' time talking about that bill and me not being on it. Mm. If I'm if I'm not going to turn around and be on that bill, I want my contract back now. And I'm, I'll never box for you again, never. And if, he hadn't, if I hadn't boxed on that Ellen Road, that initial Ellen Road bill, I would have never boxed for him again, regardless. I would not, because I'll tell you something, as a Leeds man and a Leeds fan, to fight legally on 
Ellen Road pitch when so many have fought illegally to defend the honour of Leeds. I'm going to fight on it legally and defend the honour of my Leeds and I'm going to try my best and win. So I'm sat there and I'm with a lovely little kid called Jason Barker from Sheffield. Lovely kid. We used to call him Pretty Boy because he was a pretty boy. And anyway, so we stood in the corridor and we're waiting for this... Um, as it goes down, ease on, ease on, ease on, ease on. It's getting near to when we're going to be on. Anyway, next thing you know, stood there, peeping up the tunnel, peeping up the tunnel, just to see what's going on, how the crowd's going, it's all building up. Next thing you know, the atmosphere, right? And you're like, what's going on? Turn around, and there's big, lad, big lads coming through, and it's like parting of the Red Sea. You know, I mean, uh, it's coming through. And um, to me, Sykes would always, he seemed like a jovial fella. Uh, when he was wound up, that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know too much about that, bless you. Sorry. But no, don't be sorry. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, that was just old school. You sneeze, bless you. Thank you. Know you. I mean? Do you want a handkerchief? No, thank you. Okay, it's all right. So the next thing you know, the atmosphere just sort of like died. Look round, big lad, thinking, ooh. So I'm thinking, fucking hell. There's all sorts of people here tonight. Frank Bruno's in, Reg Goodridge is in, all the sporting stars are in. And Paul Sykes, regardless of what anybody wants to say about him, he was a respected heavyweight boxer around the area. He was a heavyweight hope. Um, boxed for, got his opportunity to box for major titles. Um, didn't get to win them, but got, obviously got himself in the opportunity to do that. So you've got to take him serious. Was he yeah. six and a half foot as well? I'd be about six four, six five, yeah. yeah. Big, tall, wiry sort of fella though, you know what I mean? Um, wiry, but thick, you know what I mean? Athletic. Anyway, next thing, you know, like shoulders, waist, you know what I mean? He had a good build on him, really good build. Um, anyway, look round, he's there. So anyway, next thing, he's come up, come up, come up, come up. And before he's actually gone to go away, he's looked over and he's gone, ah. Oh, who's fighting tonight then? So I've got my wraps on. I've got my nice Hugo Boss, my one good coat that I've ever had, my nice Hugo Boss coat on. I've got my shorts underneath, my boots on. I've got it wrapped up and all that. So when he's with him asking that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone, oh. Then he's gone to Jason Barker. What about you? You a fire? And Jason's like, no, we're young kids like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gullible kids thinking, oh, this heavyweight's taking an interest in this. And um, anyway, so he's gone. So I didn't really know, know too much about Sykes and all that then. Um, I did, but I didn't. Um, so next thing you know, he says to Jason, you're a fighter as well then. Jason gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's gone, I'd rather fuck you than fight you. That's what I did. All like, look, clock. So I'm like, <laughs> I just flipped off. I went to the changing room. I was like, in my head, we're like, ah, what's going on there? <sighs> Like, oh, Jesus Christ, please, what what happened there? Next thing you know, boom, doors opened. Big lad's there. It's coming. He's like, and I'm like, oh dear. So I say, all right, yeah. I'm thinking, what what did you say to him? So he says, oh, I've seen you fight before, son. Um, come on, I'll warm you up. I'll think it sounds something like um, I'm all right, um... So I started backing off and um, I'm in the changing room and you know butchers, you know in butchers box, them massage tables. Yeah. There's one of them in there. And I've gone round and he's coming. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, 
fucking hell, what do you do? And I'm like backing off. And I'm, three fucking times I went round that table. Three times. I'll never forget. Three times I went round that table. I was like that. I'm supposed to be fighting in a minute. And I'm running away from him. But he's an handful. <laughs> but I'm still running away from him. And I'm like a coward, me. You know, I'm like that. So I've got round. And I don't say anything because God rest his soul. And whoever dies, God rest his soul. You know, I'm in hope for Hopefully they made the peace and whatever. Um, but anyway, he's come round and I've gone, right. I says, Paul, my trainer's going to come in and train me and do this. I appreciate what you've done and that, you know what I mean? And I appreciate your interest. But listen, I've got, I, it's not for me to tell you to come out of training rooms. You're not really supposed to be in here. It's not for me to say that. But my trainer's going to come in. But I'm not going to take another, I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to take another backward step now. You know what I mean? Because I thought to myself, what am I doing? I'm fucking scared and that. And I'm supposed to be going out there. There's all my pals out there. And I'll tell you, if I get flogged, flogged in front of them out there, chances are some of them might even want to turn around and jump on me for past, <laughs> past slaps or whatever. You know what I mean? So anyway, next thing you know, I've stopped. He's like, ah. he's gone. And I've gone. So I'm not going. And he went. And I went. Boom. He went. No. Yeah, out. You knocked him cold out. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) shit, shit, shit. What have I done? He's going to get up and he's going to fucking wreck me. He's going to batter me. And I was was thinking, and then I thought, fuck it. Excuse my language. Dragged him by his repels to the shower. Boom, put the shower on. And I was thinking, no, no, no. I was thinking, if, if he gets up, and gets up aggressive, I'm going to have to keep him down because if he gets up, he's going to beat me like a baby. You know, I've got some big, strong... No, listen, you, listen, he's more than sorted out 10 of me. You know what I mean? I'm serious. Listen, serious fella. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I, like I say, it's within us all to defend ourselves. And when we're frightened, whatever we can do, we're going to try and do. Right then, regardless of whether you're one foot, two foot, whatever, um, you're going to try when you're frightened. And I was frightened because I thought... What is this man going to do to me? Yeah. Two minutes before I... You know, some, I hadn't even thought he might be... Anyway, we'll not go there. You know what I mean? Because what he said to Jason, imagine if... He, oh. <laughs> can, can you imagine getting bent over? Bloody butchers blocking. Bloody um, dressing room, Ellen Road. Jesus, it was not like that anyway. But um, with what he said to what's he called already, it was like, Jesus Christ, What you don't know what to expect. So anyway, put shower on. And I was sort of like halfway and thinking, I'm going to have to keep him down because if he gets up, that's me done. Um, because don't make no bones about it. He would have done me. He would have done me. Next thing you know, scope has gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the water coming off his face and that. <laughs> Good shot, that. Good shot, that. <laughs> and went out the door. <laughs> I'm thinking, did that just happen? Did that just happen? Anyway, when it came time for me to fight, I had to get re-wrapped as well because, um, <laughs> you see that there? Mm-hmm. There's a, can, I don't know if you can see that. That little scar. That line, yeah. yeah. Well, that were his teeth. That were his tooth. So, um, and, so it drew blood. So I had to get my hand re-wrapped. Um, when I went out and boxed, he was shouting as much as anybody else. He was very loud, very vocal, shouting for me. Oh, and did you no. win that fight? Yeah, I won it in 21 seconds, including the count. Bang. He got, he got you warmed up. He, that's, he, he did his job then, didn't he? That was one of my proudest performances, to be fair. Wow. Because it wow. was actually on 
my hometown pitch in a stadium fight. You know what I mean? That I'm as proud as that. I'm, a, I'm as proud of that as I am of Josh Warrington fulfilling what he did as a young kid to go from nothing to where he is now. You know what I mean? Because that's an achievement in itself for that kid. Just let me tell the viewers, Jamie Boyle, we've published his audiobooks of Sykesy, Fervor Agony, Sweet Agony, Unfinished Agony. And that story you heard, everywhere Sykes went, it was just another story, another story, mm. another story. Because he behaved like that all the time. And um, they're all available worldwide on Amazon. And they're, they're massive bestsellers. Uh, I think Jamie's two best-selling book, books are the Lee Duffy stuff and the, and the Sykes stuff. But doing the free audio books, just listening to story after story like that, mind-blowing. You know what? The, if anybody gets the opportunity and they've got a couple of hours, if they sit down and just listen, um, watch the, you know, there's a documentary on Paul Sykes. Sykes and, yeah. Yes, I, I can't remember the name of it, but um, it's, a, it's hilarious. Gets married in it and everything. Yeah, it? it's, the thing is, you, a lot of people, we'll talk about um, the negative side of Paul Sykes' character and all that business, which is just, it's out there. Mm. But if you take that away and then go to them moments where he's been personable, affable, it's nice. It's nice. It's like an old uncle who give you a clip around the ear and all that business. But it was straight. It was straight. It was a proper Yorkshire straight. Um, Is he a bit of a lovable rogue? I think so. I think so. A lot of people might not think he, so. He couldn't but control him. He, could, he would always yeah. in prison because he'd always clout like a policeman or yeah. a prison yeah. guard or the <laughs> governor or. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, anyone. If you, if you wound him up, he'd have a go. He'd be like, and bam. And I'm not going to knock anybody for that. That's not for me to knock anybody. But from what my experiences and my old boxing trainers, when they're talking about him, they always talk about him with affection and they've always got a smile on their face. Um, and then they'll turn around and go, oh, but when he, when he lost his temper. But that's a totally different thing. You know what I mean? Delroy Showers was oh. at the wedding, wasn't he? We, we interviewed else? Michael Showers. I remember um, going, when I told you I went to Liverpool and um, they used to call him the mayor, the mayor in there, the mayor. Um, he had this big gold chain on with a big old cross on and um, I was in reception and he'd he seen me. And um, like I say, um, he was one of the only black guys in there as a con. Um, I was still on the YPs when I went to Walton, but I was in reception and I was, I was scared. I don't know if he detected that. But I was scared. I was putting on a front. Um, I had to fucking stay tight to stop myself from shaking because at the time Liverpool was supposed to be a bad bad jail because um, like many other areas, they had problems with drugs, didn't they? And um, the thing is, the Scousers won't mess about with you, man. They're, they're, they're great people, but ruthless. <laughs> ruthless when they're ready. And um, a lot of them, they were slashing people and beating people and all that business for whatever reason they have there. Um, like you might go to one place where they might go put them up you might go another place where they go don't bother and they might go another place where they go shiv shiv mm. um, in Liverpool at the time there were a lot of slashings and things like that and I was thinking to myself Jesus Christ they've sent me here to get slashed man you know what I mean I was like fucking hell I was, I was in the reception and um, there were our showers I was down there so with me being a young black guy I'm gravitating towards that black guy and that. And then he was really, really softly spoken, really nicely spoken. And he actually turned around and said words to me that comforted me at the time, saying, listen, you don't worry, you'll be all right. You know, you'll be right. If you're all right, you'll be right. And I'm like, fair enough. And it's sort of like stuck with me that 
if you're right, you'll be right. If you're a twat, don't expect, oh, you might get treated like a twat. But if you're all right, by rights, you should be all right. And if you can't, an old Jamaican, an old Jamaican West Indian saying, you can't wrong and strong. You can't be wrong and be strong. If you're right, you'll get might. You know what I mean? You know what might is, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll get that might. So, cool, cool. It's the energy you're putting out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's what you receive. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like I say again, a lot of these experiences that I've had, um, I don't know if people believe in God or a divine spirit or nothing like that, but my family and my mother said a lot, a lot of prayers for me. Mm. A lot of prayers for me. And I can tell you something now, them prayers worked. Because the situations, some of them other situations, I think I was meant to be broken. When I say broken, I mean broken to the point where I'm not confident in myself. I'm not um, still happy to go out into the world and try and do something, be something. You know what I mean? Um, when I say do something, be something, um, I had um, an ambition about Leeds. I'll go off track here. Leeds boxing. Leeds has got, Leeds has got some fine men. Good men, strong men, hard men, um, straightforward men, good men, good men. Um, and I always wondered, how come we haven't got world champion? Because everything that people do in Leeds, we get winners. You know what I mean? Running, we've had um, runners, good runners. We've had good cricketers. We've had good rugby players, good footballers, good basketballers and that go to America and get scholarships and that. And I'd say to myself, well, why not boxing? When everywhere we go, I don't mean in the thingy sense, but everywhere we go, we have a go and we're well respected. And if you go anywhere as a Leeds man, um, if, you, if you're not a dick, they love you. You know what I mean? They'll go, away from Leeds? Oh, fucking hell, good man. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, we're kind of respected all over the country in certain respects and we haven't got a world champion. There's something not right there. But I know why we haven't got a world champion. And it's because... The things that you have to do to be a world champion are just that little bit extra. It might be, you see that drink that you might have once a month? Don't have it. Don't have it. You see that party that you might go to once a week? Don't do it. You see that um, bird, them different birds that you're seeing? Don't concentrate on one, focus on what you're doing and bang. And sometimes it's the difference between a thoroughbred and a, just a racehorse, that concentration. Mm -hmm. And I've seen them, we've had some really, really good champions um, who've tried to be contenders. Crawford Ashley, fantastic fighter. Um, he was in a fantastic era. You don't mind me waffling, do you? No, no, no okay. please, please. Okay. Um, Crawford Ashley was in a fantastic era, boxed some of the best fighters, Michael Nunn, Virgil Hill, um, Rossi Gini, boxed some great fighters, but just came up short because he was in the company of great fighters. Henry Wharton, boxed Chris Eubanks, Nigel Benn, Robin Reed. He was in the company of good fighters, very, very good fighters. Um, and you know something, if they've just got that little bit extra on top of you, that's the difference. Um, I will always say, um, Henry had the beating of Nigel Benn. Henry had the beating of Nigel Benn. Um, it was just a little bit of an inexperience at the time and a little bit in awe, A-W-E. <coughs> a little bit in awe oh. of Nigel Benn, Nigel Benn's presence and whatever. Um, Henry was a fan of Nigel Benn, which I think worked against him. Because I remember even saying at, at one point, you need to um, take 10% of your like um, admiration that you've got for Nigel Benn. You need to take 10% of that away, throw it away. Because you, you, you've got a real opportunity to fight him and you don't want to be fighting him. 
like that. Ooh, Nigel. And what he did is, for the first four rounds, he was like looking at Nigel. And it was like, um, he didn't do no. So he lost them first four rounds. And then when his coaches and that picked him up and said, yeah, listen, get with it. That's when he came into the fight. And from, 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 from that, that moment on, he was progressing into the fight. Now, if he'd woke up them four rounds earlier, it'd have been a different fight for Nigel. And who knows what would have happened. But he would have been in the fight. And one thing that's not going to happen with Wharton is you're not going to knock him out. He's got an end like, he's got a fucking jaw like a brick. He's, you know, solid, no, hard man, hard man. There's, um, I've seen him and Eubanks and that hard chins. I mean, they've got, they're on par with each other for the chin. Henry even, Henry might even have a stronger chin than Eubanks because um, at the end of the day, he never got put down. Never got no counts or nothing like that. Um, but like I say, good men, good men, strong men, respectable men. Um, Elton, Tom Collins, Elton Collins, um, boxed for various world titles and that just comes up short. And then all of a sudden we get um, the opportunity. You've got Josh Warrington, who was a young kid. Everybody was saying that he was feather-fisted, couldn't punch, this, that and the other. And what they didn't realise is that he was a young lad who was still progressing and who was showing all the determination and characteristics of a top-class fighter at that age and just needed the experience and the ability to flourish and to grow and then to turn around and believe in himself and then grow as a man and then all of a sudden, bang. And um, when his father and... When him and his father approached me and asked me to come on board, that was on... As far as I'm concerned and aware, they asked me to come on board on the back of... Um, I was training a fighter called Harry Matthews from Pocklington in York. Lovely kid. He's doing a bit of acting and that. Um, so on top of his um, boxing, God's willing, he's made a few films and that. And um, he's looking to progress and get films done and that. You know what I mean? And thankfully, Harry asked me to train him for a while. We got on, we got on well. And in doing that, we ended up with the opportunity to fight Chris Eubanks Jr. So that were on Channel 5 um, over six rounds and the... Harry, to a degree, was expected to be a little trial horse, get beat up, get stopped, make, make Eubanks Jr. Look, look good. So we was like that. Like I say, I'm into the Eubanks, and I know that they're a state of mind. Eubanks was always a psychological state of mind. Not the best boxer in the world. This is his dad. Not the best boxer in the world, but tough, resilient, strong, determined, good heart. Sorry about that. I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm like that. Okay. All right. Let's get some strategy here. So I got, there was a few of us that went over to Sheffield to the um, weigh-in and that, you know, press conferences weigh-in. And we all had T-shirts on with, Daddy can't help you now on this. So Eubanks, young Eubanks juniors, he's coming to the room and he's got his little black glove on and he's coming in looking the part and he's gone, and he's gone in front of Harry, looked at him in his face and he was like that and then he's looked down. <laughs> Just walked off. <laughs> All right, nice, nice, nice. Getting his head. You know, because think about it. Daddy can't help you now. Bang. And that's on there. Um, it's on the wall and that. Oh, wow. See where Joe Fraser is? Where's Joe Fraser? Training headquarters. Oh, what? Well, oh, yes. Yeah, and there. then to the right. Yeah. See the guy? There's two guys. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll show you. I'll show you that afterwards. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. That was a good, that was a great experience. Oh, we've got everyone on this. So we've got Tyson. There you go. Yeah. What was Tyson like? Mike Tyson? Yeah. Um, I can't say I'm overly personal with him, but I've met him on a couple of occasions at dinners, um, you know, dinners. And you know what? He's a lovely man. Um, what I don't do, though, is um, I, like I like relevant conversations when I talk to a boxer 
or a boxer of relevance, I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, what was it like biting somebody's ear off? Oh, what was it like? Say, ah, listen, I'm sure you've heard that many a time and that and that. So at the time when I met Mike Tyson, unfortunately, there was sadness in his life. Um, remember he had the accident with his daughter where she passed on. Mm. Well, after, it might have been months after that that he came over to England and he was doing a guest dinner and not, no meet and greet. Yeah. And all of us ex-St. Pat's boys and all that were invited. It was, um, I think it was Terry O'Neill and Gary Atkin and them guys that had maybe organised it. The guys from big, St. Pat's. big Joe Egan as well. Big Joe Egan. I don't. Yeah. I can't really say not about Joe Egan because I don't know him. I don't know him. I've. I've We've I've heard a few of him. We've, you? we've just yeah. published his book. Yeah. Have you? Is yeah, it? Yeah. You know something? I can't. Um, oh, he's a great guy. I can imagine as well. You know, I mean, because he looks a great guy, sounds a great guy. I don't know what his back to. I don't really know what his boxing career was, um, but I know that he's got good rapport with Mike Tyson, and that and that Tyson says that he was one of the, the toughest fighters. white men on the planet. Yeah, probably, probably the only white guy in the gym. That's <laughs> the title of his book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Egan, toughest white man on the planet. He always yeah, said that. Yeah, Tyson yeah. always says that. Um, Tyson must have given him some fist and that. Yeah. And um, Egan, like, still there. The, the fighting Irish, strong, determined people. So that's, um, that is something you can dine off for. He can dine off that for the rest of his life. Because for you to turn around and do the rounds with Mike Tyson and go back and do the rounds and go back says that he must have some fortitude in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? He looks, he looks a decent guy. He looks yeah, a really decent guy. He's a good guy, very charismatic. I, I, like, I like, yeah, it, it does seem yeah. that. And I, yeah. I think, I like the fact um, he can tell a tale. Yeah. I think, I think, any, I think any Irishman's going to be able to tell a tale, make you smile and that, but he's got a good, got good aura about him, a good energy. Mm. And he seems like, um, seems like a, he's doing a lot for people. Is, no, I mean, yeah, I don't know for sure because I don't know, but I can only go off the little clips that I see of him. Mm. But he seems to be trying his best. And it's, um, if he's being positive, that's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, next, you've got a Jimmy Savile story. Yeah. Listen, everybody knew Jimmy Savile when we were kids, uh, to a degree. Um, as kids, we all love Jimmy Savile now, then, now, then. You know what I mean? He was a character, we were popular with the kids, this, that, and the other. And he's based in Leeds. He was a Leeds fella, yeah. 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 So there's two parts to the story. When about 14, 13, we used to hang around on Aeros Avenue. Aeros Avenue is a beat. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what a beat is, the area where prostitutes are and that. And there was a um, there was a kid's home in the area. And there was a secure unit. And there was a, there's a secure unit and there's a non-secure unit. The secure unit, they were kept in like, um, it's like a, the cat come out. But the other ones could come and go. So you get impressionable young girls of 13, 14, 15, you know, that age. And they've been put in these children's homes and this, that and the other for whatever reason. And on the weekends, we'd all be going out. So back in them days when we were kids, you'd have the blues, shabines and things like that. And that was and late night um, cafes and takeaways and this, that and the other. And there was a real vibrant nightlife in the ghettos. You know what I mean? Not, not in city centres, but in the ghettos, you'd have the late night drinking clubs, shabines, this, that and the other. So as kids, we'd sneak out and we'd, we'd hang around there. And the elders, the older ones, the, 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 excuse me, they would look after us. They'd keep an eye on us and that because we were the kids. But there were a lot of prostitution around there, pimping and prostitution back in them days. And people shouldn't, people shouldn't cover that up because there were a lot of people who were vulnerable, who were pimped out, prostituted out, this, that and the other. Anyway... These girls from the children's home, 
they'd come down to Chapel Town and they'd turn around Chapel Town Hills and that. They'd come down. And in order to fit in to a degree, you'd get certain ones who would like take advantage of that. And they were little pimps and that. And they'd chat to the girls and make them feel so special. And then they'd turn around and put them on the street. You know what I mean? So you'd get the young 14, 15 year olds, girls and that. And they'd be on the beat and they'd be going off in cars, coming back a couple of hours later with change and, you know what I mean? Anyway, Jimmy used to come down, we used to call him Mr Bojangles because he would always jiggling, he had chains and that, and he'd always remember he'd have gold and ching, 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 and all the pimps and that, both gold and that were the days. So he'd come down in his white car, but he'd have a mattress in back. Yeah. If looking, he'd have a mattress in back. And he'd always... Of all the prostitutes that he could have picked, he'd always pick them young ones, ones our age. And they'd go, come back with a handful of change and that, you know what I mean? Being with Jimmy. You know what I mean? And anyway, years later, I'd go around the park and I'd be running around the lake. And I'd, go there, and I'd always go there. I'd go do my laps on the lake, do my bits on the sprints on the steps. And then I'd always go in the cafe and I'd have scrambled eggs, beans on toast with a cup of tea. Done. And every other week and that I'd be in there with a group of his cronies. And um, with me being um, a young lad and you, you say hello and that, all right? And you go, all right, oh, you're a good look, you're a good looking lad, aren't you? Oh, what do you do? What do you train? What do you do? So, and you'd be like, oh, I'm trying to be a boxer, just trying to train. Oh, yeah. And then it'd always go into a bit of a... Oh, I bet you like the girls, don't you? I bet the girls love you. I bet you give them plenty, don't you? Oh, I bet you... And it'd be always go to that and you'd be like, oh, uh, you'd laugh and you'd... Mm, yeah, um, right, excuse me now, I'm going to go get my breakfast. And he always had that seedy undertone to him. Now, I won't... I, you won't really put him as a nonsense. All them things that he's done, that it's been... No, no, all them things that um, he's been accused of and that he's supposed to have done and that, you won't automatically put him... Put it on him because you couldn't. Well, you won't imagine that anyway. Anybody with half a brain is not going to just straight away imagine things like that or whatever he's supposed to have done. But um, in Leeds, it was common knowledge, common knowledge that he were a wronging, common knowledge. So for this to go undetected, because he had, he was doing a, a weekly lunch for the police, wasn't he? I can't say that. And the I, cop, the cop that was in charge of complaints was part of his clique. Really? Yeah. Tells you, doesn't And it? even if complaints came in from anywhere around the country... They had to go through him. Had to go back to where he lived, Leeds. You know what? It's a... Fuck me. Don't say it like that. <laughs> 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 I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame and that. Sh- you know he's a mank originally, though, don't you? Oh, was he? I think so. Didn't he That's have what a, we say. Didn't his brother... He had some activity there, didn't he, with his brother or something? I like don't know. I can't, I can't say other than that. All, all I can turn around and say is that he want an honorary honor Leeds fella. Yeah. I hope not, anyway. You know what I mean? I've always, I always thought that he was actually from over the other side. Yeah. Over the other side of the Pennines and then came over there. Mm. But um, it's a shame that all these things were allowed to happen. And it's a shame that uh, a major hospital like St. James's Hospital in Leeds and all these other places it's a shame that they've had to be tarnished and you think to yourself well what else what else you know what else is going on that we don't know about that's being covered up and that you know what i mean we just put out an interview two days ago it was mark williams thomas he was the cop who blew, yeah. blew the savile case I've yeah. seen that yeah seen that yeah yeah, yeah. interesting yeah fascinating interesting. you know what i mean and when you think to yourself um the people who are 
really hands-on. They weren't able to turn around and, um, like he said, there was all so many complaints already been put in. Like you say, that had been brushed under the carpet, factual. And you go, well, these people should be liable. These these people should be liable. The police force should be liable, and but they're self-governed. You know what I mean? So they're just protecting their own. This country's full of nonsense, mate. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's built on nonsense, isn't it? You know I mean? it is. Wow. So right. Are we going to do a part two at some point? Or, yeah, we can, we can wrap up now if you've Listen, got, you know, you've got on, your thing going. I'll give you five minutes yeah. and that because what okay. we've got to do is we've got to advertise the fact that um, Jamie Boyle is going to be writing this book, isn't he? And, um, yes. Although... War Cry we, Publishing. We've only touched on that there. We've only touched on it, you know I mean? Um, some of the... If they want to hear about um, prison stories going from, I won't say zero to hero, but zero to hero turning things around and that. And the thing is, the main story that I'm trying to get across is that, look, it doesn't matter what situation that you're starting, at some point, if you just stand still for a second, think about what you really want to do, try and get a little bit of a plan and think, well, hang on a minute, if what I really want to do, is it going to be stopped if I do that? Well, yeah, if I do that, there's not a chance I can do that. So I'm best not to do that. Um, Better to be poor and free than rich and locked up. I like your quote here, got fuck all, never had fuck all. Quite happy with fuck all so far. Listen, Fair. listen, I come from, the only thing I've got is inside me. And um, one of the things, um, one, of the, one of the things I'm so happy about is that my ambition has never been halted. You know what I mean? And the thing is, I don't know what I want, but I know I want something. So I'm going to keep on driving towards it. I don't know what I want, but I know I want something. So I'm going to keep on driving towards it. And if I keep myself in such a situation that when I do find out what I really want, I'm in a position to get it. You know what I mean? Um, so what I say to a lot of the kids out there is, listen, just make a plan. Take your time. Don't be scared to be alone. Don't be scared to be alone because one of the worst things that um, happens is that you get influenced by your pals. Oh, pals. It's like I say to, I say to the kids who come in here, don't worry about school. You won't make your mates at school. You know what I mean? You make your mates in the outside world afterwards. So if you put yourself in a position where you can go and sign on, that's the calibre of people that you're going to be around signing on. Whereas if you turn around and just think a bit, study a bit, try and get one or two things right a bit um, and have a good intention, try not, to get too, try not to get a criminal record, try and put yourself in a position so that when that door opens, you can actually walk through it. You know what I mean? Um, I've, I've, one of my greatest success stories here, you know, is when the kids come back to me and they go, Nick, Nick, I've got my licence. Oh. And I'm like, oh, come, on, come here, good lad, good lad. You know what it is? That's your credit score up. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? you know? Yeah. And I'll yeah. say, listen, that's good. That means, you know what that means? What? That means that if your mum has got a secret stash, they might buy you a car and you might be the one who's driving. The, you might be... The response, you know what I mean? Little things like that. And um, I love it. I've got kids who come back and they'll say to me, Nick, I passed my exams now. I'm, I'm such and, and I'm like, ah, come here. Nice one. That's all it's supposed to do. All that I'm here for is to hopefully give you an opportunity to. I'm not no matter or nothing like that. But all I do is I open that door. I couldn't give a shit if I get one person in, 50 people in, 20 people in. That one person who comes in, you know, while they're in here, they're all right. Mm. They're all right. And that's it. I don't know about all this. Um, I've got a really close um, friend in London who's been doing this. Um, there's been a lot of emphasis on qualifications. 
Now, not everybody can sit in the classroom and remember all them answers to the questions that need to be answered just on that one particular day. So what he's doing is he's putting kind of a curriculum into schools where it's not based on the qualifications you pass, it's based on the experience you have at what you do and how good you are at doing something. It's like somebody can, you know, some people can, they can make a perfect bread, yeah. but they couldn't tell you how to do it. Mm. They'll go, shove that in, shove that in, shove that in, shove that in, there's a loaf of bread. Whereas some people, Gordon Ramsay might turn around and tell you, six ounces of that, three ounces of that, blah, 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 there for 10 minutes. And just because he can do that, he gets the gig. Whereas you've got a fellow who can make wonderful bread, but he can't articulate it. You know what I mean? Well, he's trying to get to these kids who are having difficulty articulating. You know what I mean? And they're saying, well, listen, can he do the job? Yeah. Well, why not employ him? Based on that, not based on the qualification that he's got, that he's remembered, but practically he can't do it hands-on. You know what I mean? So many different types of intelligence. Yeah. And the yeah. academia doesn't recognise... Yeah, um, I'd rather, it's not, it's, listen, if you're going to be a newsreader, you need to be able to articulate yourself. If you're going to be an author, chances are good to be able to write, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean to say that you've got to be able to do everything in the spectrum in order to do one thing, you know what I mean? Your one thing, and these kids here, I just, like I say, I find my most pleasure now in seeing that kid who comes in and he's like a wilting Mm. wilting flower and you might turn around and just say just try listen <laughs> nobody's perfect and um, I might turn around and say to them hey listen when I, f- I might even turn around and say to them I'll tell you the truth sometimes I lie and I'll say listen I used to get chinned as well when I were in thingy oh when I first started boxing oh I was getting knocked all over this that and the other well, like, and they'll go oh, you too and they might not realise that no no I tried to my- I tried my best to make sure I didn't get that but <laughs> I know you're not me, so what? From in order for me to get the best out of you, I'm going to tell you that me and you are the same, and then you can grow. And it's amazing, it's within everybody. <laughs> Honestly, it's within everybody, but um, some of them, they don't get the chance or the opportunity to let it out. You know what I mean? You're a spiritual warrior and an absolute gentleman, Nick. Kind Pe- People watching this, how can they, how can people watching this support you, help you, follow you, find you? That's an hard one because I never asked not for nobody, do I? Are you, I you on the socials and things like that? I've got, um, I'm supposed to have an Instagram. It got hacked like everybody else's. Oh, oh, did you just do that? Did you? Yeah. Oh. Is that not yours? <laughs> Listen, I ain't bothered with it since it got hacked. No? I, oh, I feel it's so good as well. I've got Anthony Joshua followed me. And I was like that. Anthony Joshua. Oh. Oh. And I thought, right. So I thought, I'll leave him a couple of days and that. I don't want to seem too eager. Yeah. And I thought, right then. So I followed him. So I must have said something like I must have said something negative about um, truthful about boxing. Anyway, he unfollowed me. <laughs> you know I mean? No, yeah, listen, there's not there, listen. There's not wrong with the truth. Yeah. At the end of the day, when I when I turn around and say it's like when they talk about boxing, um, we've had some fantastic eras of boxing in the past. We've had some great fellas boxing in the past. But at this point in time, we've got some good boxers coming through. But for me, they don't compare to some of the ones that I've seen from the past. Classics. Tyson yeah. Klitschko. Right. <laughs> Klitschko. Klitschko, no? <laughs> Come on. Oh. No, I mean, uh, Klitschko had an era where he was dominant. Well done. Tyson yeah. is very dominant in this very poor era. Very poor era. But he's, he's a class actor, Tyson. Yeah, and he's yeah. very, very good. 
compared to what's out there. Mm. He's the only he's the only heavyweight boxer mm. out there. Not fighter, heavyweight boxer. Well, you've got Usyk and that, but he's cruiserweight coming up. But Tyson Fury, is the, for me, is the only original, real heavyweight boxer out there. The rest of my fighters who are not as skilled as him. You know what I mean? He's the one with the skill. He's the one with the skill and an, enorm- and an enormous will. I was thinking of Mike Tyson's classic fights as well. I go and watch them on YouTube all the time. Listen, when you Just think about Mike, like that, aren't they? Listen, I stood in a boxing ring with Mike Tyson, like I say, when he came over. Yeah. And I had to realise that, hang on a minute, this little fella here was actually the baddest boxer on the planet. Wasn't he? It doesn't matter who you're dead. If, if he's nine foot tall, he beats him. If he's three foot wide, he beats him. He was the best at his time. And I'm thinking, this little fella, this, because he's only to there or something like that, or me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And he did, that, it, and he did it fast. Listen, that is, <laughs> that is a, you imagine you interviewing him. Yeah. Because yes. yeah. he's got some tales in his life and he's yeah. like, like you say, when he's a young kid at 13, um, mugging people, beating people. He's got his own podcast now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. All right, we're going to wrap it up then. So, thanks for watching. We'll put Nick's links down in the description box. We'll put links for Jamie Boyle's books down there in the description box and his YouTube channel. Please support it. And you can find Jen on Insta as well. At some point in time, we might have another chat. Oh, Oh, we love that. We love that. Yes. But what we're going to do is, I've got to leave the juicy bits for the book. Yes, of course. Okay, but you know something? Going forward, we'll meet again. Yeah, we'll have yeah. a chat. We'll finish it off. Give us a hug. Give us a hug. I can't give you a hug. <laughs> Cheers, Nick. I can't Thank give you, you a hug. No, you're a bird. And I'll get in <laughs> oh. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I can't. I don't hug Thank birds. Thank you. All right, then. Here at Boomer and Jen, we offer a wide range of organic or recycled clothing. We all know our planet is important. We only have this one, so it's vital that we all work together to slow down and reverse the changes to the environment. Whilst we all know that big industry are having a significant effect on pollution, here at Boomer and Gen, we believe that if we all make small changes, we can do our part. Fast fashion causes detrimental effects to the planet. Not only is nearly 20% of global wastewater produced by the fast fashion industry, but there is a considerable amount of fast fashion ending up in landfill. So let's move away from fast fashion items that are only worn once or twice and start wearing extremely comfortable, durable and environmentally friendly clothing and ethical jewellery. Boomer and Jen was founded in a quiet town in Devon, in 2018. It has now gone from strength to strength as the world is becoming more aware of the current climate situation, helping our customers to buy sustainable, quality clothing. All of our products are fair trade and registered with the Global Organic Textiles Standard Association. Check us out on organiccottonclothing.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press, who have published Northern Warrior by Richie Horsley, available worldwide on Amazon now. It's almost five stars across the board, and here's the blurb from the back cover.
I've recently read Northern Warrior by Richie Horsley and it just blew me away. Given away as a six-day-old baby, Richie really began his life fighting. He was brought up by a loving couple in the fine northern seaside town of Hartlepool. But fighting became a way of life and he couldn't escape it as much as he tried. Growing up in a fighting town with a passion for punk rock, a liking for boxing and a reputation for fighting, Richie would find himself in many situations with some infamous faces, such as prison icon Paul Sykes and Tyneside's Viv Graham and his big fight with the notorious prisoner Charles Bronson. Richie has lived his life with a strong moral code, impeccable manners and a gentlemanly attitude. But of course, when you mix that with bouncing in clubs and being in prison, those are traits you can't always abide by, and using extreme violence was sometimes necessary, even if it meant having to dodge a bullet or two. Some of his fights have passed into local folklore due to the brutality of them. ABA boxer, unlicensed boxer, bare-knuckle fighter, street fighter. Richie was all of these. Northern Warrior is the true story of a modern-day gladiator. It hasn't always been an easy ride, but Richie has faced every challenge with a warrior's mentality. Richie's journey is far from over. He continues to live by his motto in life, which is, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. Yeah, so check out Northern Warrior by Richie Horsley. Link is in the description box below this video. The audiobook is superb. <laughs> 